I can get used to that. I was just going to say that's new, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. new as of last week, I think. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was the first time when we had Zeke on. Welcome, everyone, to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I am Sam Fain. I am joined, of course, by Todd Gershaw. And Mike Molesky is back with us. And we also have Rob Bobian. It is going to be an awesome show. We're going to talk about FTR suspects, uh, amongst other things. Um, but uh, first of all, let's kick things off here with our opening bell. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Mike, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. We missed you, Mike. <laughs> we did. Yeah, the trio is not complete. It, it, it is nice to be missed. <laughs> Rob, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks. Fantastic. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Uh, so we are, of course, on the road to Galacticon, and that means that we have a new GWF set in the offing. Super excited about 2137. And we got our first tease, first reveal. Azuma is back. He's dropped the giant and now looks, you know, lean and mean, ripped to shreds. Uh, you know, he's had a better makeover than than Paul White and Bray Wyatt and and Braun Strowman combined. Uh, not that Braun Strowman had to lose a lot of weight, but it, it's noticeable that he cut some weight. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, Todd, what do you think of the uh, the new Azuma art? I love the uh, the Azuma art. Uh, definitely a very different look and feel to it yeah. uh, with the coloring and stuff uh, this this time. Uh, and yeah, I think really. Uh, awesome very excited for the character and definitely the sentiment around the uh phil singer games community is very positive absolutely mike what are your thoughts yeah i mean i think it's a great look i think um obviously you know still kind of mysterious in terms of you know what's happened and what's brought him to this point but i think that's you know that's what makes for a, a very good teaser as opposed to a spoiler uh, absolutely so. yeah rob what about you Oh, it was great. I, I wasn't a big fan of the original art. Uh, for sure. Character. And he did good for my good for my friend. I didn't hold against him. But uh, this is a huge upgrade, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and great art. You know, we're, we're getting a little bit of a different style, something that, you know, you guys were talking about before we started recording, um, which is just awesome. You know, we got the Daryl Banks art and, and got the new colorist uh, as well. Uh, Todd, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so um, you know Tom Rickard, who's actually someone that we've worked with uh, for a while, um, you know, kind of before, you know, for years, uh, our old printer was was working there, so he's kind of come on as uh, helping out with uh, some additional coloring. Uh, so obviously, you know, uh, working with Tom on this set, and you'll probably see some other things uh, down the line uh, that you know we need some coloring help. But you know, Werner's not going anywhere; he's still doing everything with. Uh, our upcoming uh, TNT set and um, as well as, you know, uh, uh, future shock and uh, FTR, things like that. So you'll, you'll definitely see plenty of Warner, but you know, we're trying to diversify, bring in some other artists as well. And hope his hand doesn't fall off either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, definitely. <laughs> I mean, we, Werner might be the most overworked artist in the business. So right. want to keep him healthy for the postseason. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, it's great because I, I, I mean, I, I love Warner's color as well, but uh, there's something about this, that uh, the, this new collaboration that, that really, really plants it in, in a certain vein of like comic book style art that I really, really enjoy and certainly seems to kind of marry well with, with Daryl's work. So it's a great piece of art and I'm certainly looking forward to, to the rest uh, of the set and, and seeing what uh, everyone 
looks like. Uh, so I, I think that as far as the character goes, being able to to have this sort of new version, you know, returning from the injury, uh, haven't you know he hasn't been in action since twenty one thirty four. Twenty one thirty five was of course when the injury was announced in in the booklet, and Kenji got the upgrade. But uh, I, I think that yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool card, and obviously there's going to be uh, some. Uh, some payback uh, in in his future, so uh, should be should be pretty cool. Looking forward to reading the storyline in in the booklet as well. Um, in addition to that, uh, we of course need to talk about the fact that the the releases have have hit. That you know both online and in print, people are now getting their cards, um, and they you know they look fantastic. Um, I think that uh, the feedback thus far on the boards has been great. Um, Todd, what are you, what are your thoughts now on you know getting these out into the wild? Oh man, I'm so glad once I finally get that last envelope from the pre-orders in the mail, I just so relieved at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually I, you know, as usual, uh, I got everything out in the mail, uh, within the next day after receiving the cards. So I just try to turn things around as soon as possible as I, you know, said before, like, I know what it's like to be waiting at home for those cards. So, um definitely wanted to get them out um right away um yeah maybe sometime in the future we can, I can uh, detail some of the process of there if anybody's ever interested in learning about it or whatnot and you know we'll, we'll have a sub room at galacticon panel there we go <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i well i you know it's funny because you and i were chatting a little bit and uh one of the things that i wanted to talk about of course was with the edith surreal card there uh was a move on the card um that i had written out as the edt because in watching her matches you know the 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 funny thing is is that uh she kind of became edith surreal kind of recently really you know when, when all things are considered and and moved away from the still life gimmick and at that time it's not that her in ring style changed much, but there were a couple of like new moves or a couple of things that happened. And, you know, during the Cassandra cup, she was still being announced as still life, but she clearly kind of made the change over to the Edith surreal gimmick and continued to kind of embrace that gimmick going forward. And uh, I was watching a couple of matches and the announcers were calling the melon baller, the EDT. And I thought, oh, she must have changed it. It's now, you know, the EDT. She's maybe moving away from some of the the, the fruit-themed moves. Uh, And when I was talking with her and kind of reviewing the moves, uh, she she goes, what's the EDT? And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And uh, she was like, oh, you know, that's the melon baller. And I was like, I I know, I know that's the melon baller. I just thought it was the new move because it was announced as that. And she laughed, you know, she, she was totally fine with it. But I remember texting you and saying like, uh, hey, Todd, can we can we change this? And you were like, well, the cards are being shipped to me today. And <laughs> that was like, you know, that was like on a Thursday, like you're saying, and you had mailed the cards out, you know, by that Friday. So it was like by Saturday, by Saturday everything got in the mail. So. Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, I know that, uh, I, yeah, it, 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 the, the turnaround, like you say, is, is amazingly quick and uh, appreciated, obviously, by all the promoters. But uh, I think, again, that the, the cards have been extremely well received. The Legends 4-pack, um, you know, is just gotten a lot of compliments and the gorilla and bobby card i think is such a hit um because it is so different and, and something new and, and fresh which is really cool um but I'm definitely looking to see if someone you know when someone books a tv show just to kind of see what things actually popped up on the show just, right. just, but to get back to you it's surreal real quick sam while it, it was too late i don't mean to rub it in i don't mean yeah. to rub it at all but it was too late to fix the print we have fixed the online that's those. right you know, yes you know, we, we, we've, we've taken care of that for promoters so it, it, it we'll just look at that either surreal card as a collector's item it's the only go. place in the world other than that one event that you captured that moment in time that's right that's right <laughs> it was two events in my defense it was camp leap frog and one other show uh but but anyway that's besides the point uh no i i look overall i mean i i'm uh, as happy as one can be with with putting a piece of their own work out there and if that's the only thing i got wrong on my first shot i'll be happy with it um of course now that i've said that i'm sure somebody will point something else that I did wrong, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, that's kind of how this game works. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, you know, going back to what you were saying, Todd, I completely agree. You've seen because I haven't had the chance to use the card yet, um, but seeing what promoters come up with and, and how the card works out for them will be really, really interesting. Um, for sure. And, and, you know, uh, kind of going back to, to Edith for a second, um, it's a great opportunity to celebrate because here we are with the kickoff of pride month and Edith's card obviously is, is, you know, exemplifies a celebration of pride. And then on top of all that, we're in the month of father's day. So we've got Miranda Gordy, who's the daughter of, you know, hall of fame caliber legend, Terry Gordy. We've got Dan, the dad, you know, representing, and then, you know, it doesn't end there because even over on the legend side, we got Bob Wharton senior, the big O. So, um, you know, lots to kind of celebrate this month with the talent, which is really cool. And uh, I think when you look at the, you know, the Legends Prime stuff, uh, I, I mean, it, the Ranger Ross art is great. You know, Scotty Riggs is great. Uh, that Bob Wharton art, you know, it's kind of classic, but I just I love it. Um, and uh, I think that those three turned out really, really well. Um, obviously, there is uh, there there's more to talk about. We're going to save that for a little bit later when yeah. it comes to the COTG Prime. Did uh, we do COTG Prime this quarter? I don't remember. Oh yeah, well you know we did it even Mike's, more. So super size seems exactly. Mike's just sore because it's four cards instead of three. <laughs> so, so, somebody somebody's got to tell me what what he what dirt Rob has on Todd. That's all. <laughs> I need to know. Uh, and then, of course, in addition to that, as we talked about last week, the best of the Indies 2021, uh, which we did a, a deep dive of on the last episode. Um, so folks will definitely want to check that out. Uh, it's an awesome set and and really just, uh, I think, so representative of, of what's happening in the Indies right now. And as someone who in the past has absolutely kind of been... Um, on the fence when it comes to do we want a bunch of new names or do we want to maybe get some updates of some of those names that people are hungry for to see. I have absolutely moved further and further into the camp of just give me all these new names because if there's one thing that Phil Singer Games has done such an excellent job of is really staying current with a lot of these indie names so that we're getting like top tier talent, you know, before they're even really top tier, you know, we're getting some of these names when they're just right on the cusp of breaking. Uh, Even on like the last set that we released, for instance, the IW 
WTV said Daniel Garcia is a perfect example of that. You know, he's a guy that back in January was definitely like up there and, 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 and worthy of his placement in stats and everything. But now like that guy is, is absolutely top tier of the Indies without a doubt. And so, you know, just kind of using him as an example, it's, it's really incredible to see the way that this new talent has impacted the Indies. And I, I think it's, um, it's just a wonderful way to use these indie sets as, as a spotlight of what's current and what's now, as opposed to, you know, trying to go back and, you know, capture a, a, a peak version of a certain guy that, yeah, it would be really nice to have updates of, but man, it's hard to argue against having the new talent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of went back and forth on that a lot, but I think for at least for these best of the indie sets, I think those are always going to be, you know, new new talent for that but we'll find other spots for some updates and whatnot and yeah i think we mentioned last uh last episode about uh what we're doing with uh indies prime and q3 and you know if you if you win one of those tournaments at galacticon you want an update of somebody you can get it so that's right yeah um you know and speaking of contests it's a perfect opportunity to remind everyone that we do have a review contest going right now. If you drop a review of the podcast and uh, send us a screenshot, you can either send it to me uh, or Todd uh, or Mike for that matter. Um, he will make sure that we get it uh, on the boards. Uh, we will enter your name into a contest. Um, there will be two prizes. Uh, one prize is the original seven legends cards. Um, which is a pretty awesome prize. Not, not something that's super easy to come by, uh, especially if you're a newer fan and didn't have the opportunity to purchase those cards when they originally came out. And uh, Todd, what else can they win? And the other one is a, uh, was a uh, COTG live event Kickstarter exclusive cards uh, for Stevie Richards as Omega and uh, Loud and Noxious. And really, you got to look at that Stevie Richards as Omega card as being a kind of just a top tier collectible because it is a it's a what if card. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a what might have been card as opposed to what actually happened card. <laughs> what if he didn't get pissed off at Jeff and I? You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no punches are pulled here. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, no matter what, like Stevie that night came back out for his match with Chuck Taylor, put out a banger. So, you know, uh, you know, that, so, you know, we, we and, and, he, and he left and he left the night much angrier at somebody else than, Oh, you. exactly. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, Watch the tape, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Watch right. the tape. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so, so please leave us that review. Uh, you know, one of the benefits obviously of the review is that the, the more reviews that we have, the more exposure the podcast gets just with the algorithms that like Apple podcasts use, um, you know, people will kind of find us a little bit easier. And that's something that just at the end, it, it benefits the game. It benefits, you know, the podcast obviously, but it, it benefits the whole community because it allows us to kind of get more exposure and hopefully get more people involved and, you know, just just take us off to the stratosphere baby and uh i think that you know it's something that we're all interested in doing and in being able to have the podcast get uh that that wider recognition so if you write that review take a screenshot send it to us uh we'll do a random drawing and uh, award those two uh those two prizes and the thing is as todd mentioned on the last episode you get a choice so it's your choice which one you want and then you know obviously whoever gets that number two drawing will have the the leftovers if you will mm-hmm. um 
So uh, super cool uh, prizes to be won. And this is the first, the first of many contests that we will, that we will run, obviously, uh, coming in the future. Um, you know, want to, in the meantime, uh, those folks over on the message boards, for instance, that are already kind of interacting with us when it comes to the threads uh, for the podcast, give a quick shout out to Lee, Troy, Malice Lover, Rob, you're here with us. Uh, Jay, Pariah, Matt, L.A. Wraith, Sinestro24. I really want to know what happened to the other 23 Sinestros. Uh, Pete Beck, Zeke, uh, Uncharted Territory fellas, as always, and Grant over at Filsinger Games Fan Podcast. Uh, thank you all as usual, and uh, we look forward to kind of continuing the conversation. You know, I was, I was a little invisible this past weekend so i didn't get to really follow up on some of the stuff that was posted but there was some really cool stuff pariah in particular um you know kind of posted what he does when he wants to maybe you know give somebody a push or what he would do if if there were kind of like any sort of official push rules or something like that for instance um which is still something that i think you know the discussion is worth being had because i'm always curious as to like what if i want to make this work how do i do it in an equitable way and how do i do it in a way that seems like i'm not you know bending the rules too far when it comes to wanting to maybe give a card that that doesn't have those main event stats a a shot um you know and not want to wait on an update or or whatever the case may be um so uh with all of that said uh there was another post on the boards that i thought was very interesting people were asking about fatigue tokens in tournaments and we've got the tournament master here so todd (laughs) what are your thoughts on fatigue tokens in tournaments um I I'm in favor of carrying over some with with kind of getting rid of some tokens over time. I think there's a couple of different uh, schools of thought on that. I think I saw one that uh, was out there. You take off one token for every two matches off. I think in the past I maybe have done like maybe taken maybe something similar to that, or have taken off maybe one per match in between if it's like a you know, like a round robin or something in there. I mean, there's other times where I've just haven't carried over any tokens and just didn't care. But, you know, a lot of times when I have done it and wanted to do that, I usually will take off like one token per match in between uh, matches for a wrestler. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, that, that, that's how I've always done it, actually, is I've always carried them over and I I take one token away, uh, assuming that it's tournament, you know, one night tournament. One kind night of tournament thing. Right, um, right. Assuming it's a one night tournament, I would carry them over. So if I have, you know, if it's four matches and they get three matches off before the semifinal, the first guy gets three tokens off and the last guy is only going to wind up getting one token off because it would just, unless I put in, sometimes I'll put in a filler match, right? Um, you know, to, to uh, in between rounds of the tournament uh, to give guys at least two matches off kind of thing. But I, um, that would be, um, yeah, it'd only be one per match. That's how yeah. I usually do it. Rob, what about you? Um, I don't. I run the Impossible Tournament. I never have. Um, and I think just because I want the cards to, you know, I want to leave it up to the cards, the, yeah. the stats, things like that. Simple as that. I know it's not a, a great answer, but that's how I've always done it. Now, I that's how I do it now. I've tried, you know, different methods, including like, you know, you know what Todd and Mike have talked about. I, at one point I had, uh, I think I did this for my, my first classics tournament, actually. I, I had a method where um, I would basically 
you know, take the two guys. And if they had both accumulated like two tokens in their last match, I would start them with no tokens. Cause the idea is they're both, they're both kind of had the same amount of tokens. So there's no need where I basically just take the difference. You know, if one guy had three and another guy had one, then, you know, the guy would start with two tokens or whatever, you know, I do stuff like that. And, and that felt a little too complicated. Like it wasn't as easy for a while, you know, kind of like the method that, that Todd and Mike are talking about. I, I felt like it kind of mirrored those tag rules where uh, every time, the the tag partner who was in the ring got a token you subtracted a token from the guy who was on the apron like i kind of felt like you, you know you could kind of do do something like that um which i don't do that anymore either but um but yeah i i just i i kind of just don't go with it but sometimes i feel like maybe i should especially if you have a guy that's accumulated a lot of tokens in a match and then another guy who hasn't you know i feel like maybe there should be an advantage for the guy who you know made it through his last match without accumulating any and then this guy's got four it just felt like you know maybe i should do that but um yeah you know i'm kind of like rob i mean just just let the cards work for themselves and see what happens and well i always liked it also because it kind of would give sort of a reason where if somebody like an endgame would lose to somebody Mm -hmm. they shouldn't in a tournament well endgame had been in a tough match with the overmaster before that hey he got worn down it kind of gives um sort of some color to your that's how mike gets his center guys to be gwf guys carrying over tokens <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but only only the g only the gwf guys carry over tokens and that's right <laughs> mr center never carries over a token against the gwf guy um, i think because in, in the gwf here in the future i think there's ways you could explain why there's no fatigue carrying mm. over legends sure i can see a, a, a bigger argument there indeed yeah it's, you know, because it is one of the things in real life wrestling. It's one of the reasons why I've always loved the G1 Climax is I feel like they do such an incredible job of, you know, literally the first match that a guy has in that tournament could be brought up in, in, in their final, you know, the finals because they, they tweaked their knee or they did this or they did that. And it's carried through the entire tournament. And it's just a wonderful way of telling that story. Um Sometimes though, I, it's just it just comes off in the writing, and I don't I don't necessarily pay attention to it stats wise. It's something where you know I can write it, but I don't necessarily have to play it if that makes sense. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a great discussion, and, and the the wonderful thing is, as so many other things, it's up to you, promoter. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no wrong answer. Uh, so, uh, but but a great discussion to see, and amongst the many. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not on the discussion boards, how did you find us? And uh, if uh, if if you are over there, you know, contribute to some of these discussions. Let us know what you think. Um, you can you know certainly drop us a line in the thread for the podcast episode, or just hop into the conversation if you haven't already done so on the board, because uh, there's there's plenty of interesting ones but i thought that was something worth kind of pointing out um in addition to that you know it's been uh, an interesting time for uh, real life wrestling uh there's been a lot of cool stuff going on uh, dragon gate has the king of gate tournament uh right now um I, I hear wwe is doing something uh and then of course uh you, you know you've got a lot of uh, great indie stuff going on limitless wrestling has an awesome show on iwtv right now uh, aiw has a great show go for broke um and you know it's just lots of great stuff uh going on there of course as things are starting 
starting to open up. Uh, you're going to have promotions start touring again. Uh, AEW uh, tickets have been on sale for some of their shows, uh, as well as WWE. You know, getting the world, wheels moving on on bringing shows to uh, everywhere in the country, as opposed to just down in Florida, which is fantastic. And and I think it's it's great to see. Um, you know, so hopefully you're 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 vaccinated or ready to mask up or get out there and see some shows because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great time. I think to get back in the crowd and, and be a part of the audience. Um, and speaking of which, AEW did have Double or Nothing this past uh, Sunday. Um, I thought it was a great show. I thought, you know, I thought that they just did a really wonderful job. Um, you know, some people, I have read comments that, that they thought the show kind of dipped a little bit towards the middle. I didn't feel that. I think the crowd energy got a little low because, you know, they'd expended so much energy in those first few matches. They were hot at the beginning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for that, that Hangman Page and Brian Cage match, I mean, they were just, they were treating that match like it was the main event, you know, and, and kudos to them, you know, for that and the performers, because, you know, they, they put on a great match. And then, of course, you had the tag team title match, which was the same way uh, and the casino battle royal, which look. I'm telling you, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Jungle Boy is the future. That guy, he, I mean, he could be the now. I mean, people love him to death, and I just think he's already he's already over. And and great uh, baby face, you know, Definitely yeah, great, great, great baby. Face. One of the one of the best, most you know, just natural baby faces that I have seen in ages. I mean, yeah, the, not even. I, I mean, he's got he's got something that I will go on the record as saying not even John Cena at the beginning of his career had when it comes to being a natural baby face. Um, so I look forward to seeing you know what's next for him, and it'll be really cool to to see what happens with that title shot uh, against Kenny Omega. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, we don't have to give a whole review of the show or whatever, but I thought it was a great show. I know Todd, you know, you watched the show. Uh, you know, any any quick thoughts on the show at all? I mean, just uh, loved having, you know, hearing a crowd there. I, I you know, I, there's always, you know, a little bit of crowd noise at AEW, but having a full crowd and going nuts, stuff is like, okay, yeah, I did miss it. I did miss this, you know, part of a, you know, the wrestling experience there. Uh, but kind of bringing it back to Phil Singer Games, it's kind of interesting just seeing how many guys in oh. the main matches on the show have cards, you know, which yeah. we always kind of bring up with this, but I, I think like every champion on the show – except for uh, Miro has a card, uh, you know, all four guys in the tag title match with Moxley and Kingston's got cards, new women's champ, Rick Baker. Um, yeah. Just like you know, uh, so many people is it's, it's really kind of neat to see. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it really, really is. I mean, you know, you've got page and cage and, and Baker and the bucks and, and Moxley and Kingston and, you know, Omega and Cassidy. I mean, it just goes on and on the list of, of folks that, uh, you know, that are, that are in the game. And then you even look at the stadium stampede, you know, and, and, and a few of those guys uh, have cards as well, like MJF and, and Sammy Guevara. So, uh, what a cool moment for Sammy Guevara. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know, Mike, did you catch it? I didn't actually. I wasn't able to. I was uh, visiting family this weekend, so that was the wrestling was not on the menu. Family schmam. No, I'm kidding. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad. To I can that. tell you though, it seems to be you know AEW is definitely picking up some of the popularity of some of the older indie sets. So mm. suddenly, there's a lot of interest in the Sammy Guevara card in the Darby Allen set. Sure. And, you know, a couple of the other ones that people are finding, you know, like, oh, you know, I think there was even one, um, yeah, the Shotzi Blackheart, somebody who messaged me, he's like, yeah, I saw like, this is like the earliest Shotzi Blackheart card that's out there, you know, that anybody's ever made, you know, so like the card, you know, the trading card boom is going on right now, you know, more so in the traditional trading cards, but 
people are looking to fill certain games cards too because a lot of time it's the first first iteration for a lot of these guys yeah. you know no, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, if you listen to like the major wrestling figure podcast or you know anything like that, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, for better or for worse. You know, those guys mentioned something. And the next thing you know, it's tripled in price on eBay. So uh, uh, it's never never a bad time to start a collection because who knows, maybe they'll mention Phil Singer Games next. And then there you go. And these cards and sets will be untouchable. Uh, Rob, did you catch the show at all? Uh, not live. I usually follow online, you know, video clips and stuff on Reddit or whatever. But it looked pretty cool. I like uh, I like Eddie Kingston. I was a big fan of him, Chikara. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like guys who uh, let's see who else do I like in AEW? Let's see, Hangman Page is cool. Um, Orange Cassidy is pretty interesting. You know, no one again <laughs> like Chikara guy. You know, so I like those kind of guys. So it was a pretty good show. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, I, I thought that there, it just it had a lot to offer, which I really appreciated, too. And and I think that, you know, I mean, people can can obviously pick things apart and there were plenty of moments to pick apart in, in this. But I, I personally, I enjoyed it from top to bottom. And I just thought it was, you know, it was worth worth mentioning since we are a wrestling associated podcast. So <laughs> I did see the next pay-per-view is in your city, uh, Sam, and the one after that's actually in driving distance. So you have a couple opportunities to to be part of that crowd it looks like yeah no i'll definitely i'm gonna be it all out uh come hook or crook i will definitely be there you know i was at all in and uh I'm, I'm definitely gonna make all out so uh it'll be uh it'll be a really good time uh I'm, I'm looking forward to it i have a feeling that uh there's a good chance that either on all out or maybe the one after we're gonna see a title change which uh which which will be really really cool so uh we'll see we'll see what happens but um but anyway enough of that uh, I think it is definitely time to to move ourselves in to the main event of this particular podcast. We are doing an FTR spotlight with mastermind behind that set himself, Rob Bobby, and of course, COTG Prime Quarter 2, dominated uh, by four stellar cards for FTR. Um, let's dive right in rob uh congrats on getting this out there you know as a creator i mean you you, you've done some awesome work um the the book uh has obviously gotten a lot of really positive feedback on the boards already people seem to be very excited about certain aspects of it and and really digging the comedy uh which i know i loved as well uh you know the bits with like stallion and uranus and then the crust stuff was just was really great and and i felt like did a wonderful job contrasting some of the more serious and heavy stuff which there is uh, obviously some uh, in there, you know, you're dealing with disappearances and potential murders and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to keep things light. It's very, very Shakespearean of you. Uh, so kudos. I, I appreciated that. Uh, how, how are you feeling now that it's out there and, and promoters have it in their hands? Uh, I feel great. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Um, it's, it's always great to get it out. Um, that's, you know, over a year's worth of notes compiled into a book. So It'll be nice to see people get the cards and start playing out some matches and see how things go. Have you had the chance? I mean, I assume that you've been playing with some of these guys for a while now. Is that right? Well, no, I got my cards Saturday. When did I get my cards? I got my cards. When did you send them out, Todd? I, I, yeah, I, 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 got the, I got the cards on Friday late, but just enough time Monday. to get to get a couple, get your set in the mail. So, yes. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I got them. I got them, and uh, I played four cards the first night. So yeah, it's uh, I have had a lot of fun. I already had two new 
FTR champions. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Right on. Yeah. Well, you want me to talk about it? So, yeah. All right. So here's what's going on in my Fed. Just since I don't have time to post on the boards. Um, I had Pardon and Crossbones fight in a non-title match because Pardon's my champion. And the winner got to choose the specialty match for their title match on the next card. So Pardon won. So he chose the Brimstone Burning match. And then uh, Crossbones beats him in his own match, the Brimstone Burning match. And with, right after an explosion, too, an explosion, and then he took over. And I gotta, I gotta give a call out here. We talked about Ricky earlier uh, off uh, air. He helped me with that match because Ricky's like the AEW uh, explosive ring match guy. So I showed it to him when it was done, and I said, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And he he gave me a suggestion. He said, "After the explosion, have the guy on defense take over, so you get a big turnaround." In the original draft, it was the guy on offense just stayed or wherever. So thanks, Ricky. And uh, that's what happened in my match. My first time I ever rolled it. And, and then he hit him with his finishers, black sails, won the title. So then my next card, uh, and then Pardon was injured for a card there. So my next card, Disciple of Terror, he got a shot, and he took the title off of, of Crossbones. Wow. Well, that's left yeah, and he's and, uh, Disciple of Terror came back. He beat Quest. He beat uh, Igor, because I put the uh, natives in FTR sometimes, you know, yep. that's where they're from. He beat he beat him and then he beat Quest and then he won the title. So that's where I left off. So I'm gonna I'm doing a whole thing with Pardon and Crossbones and, and Disciple for the title right now. Man, uh, sounds great. Uh, I love I love hearing the the results and the thought process that goes into that. And I'm looking forward to to using that match myself. Uh, I was talking you know a little bit beforehand that I hadn't played in, in a hot minute and and now it's as simple as that. Now I'm inspired. But I never play. So that's <laughs> that was the first time I played in. I mean, I played a few Kronos cards. I think I played six or seven of those. I don't know. But I never, I'm like everybody else here at Pulse Games. I never play when I'm writing and stuff. So it, yeah. it, it'll be nice to play again. It'll be nice to play the GWF. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, you know, let's let's talk just a little bit here uh, about, you know, the the booklet itself. Uh, I think one of the things that has generated some uh, speculation uh, is the cover uh, and that cover art. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about with that cover art? Uh, it's great art. <laughs> agreed um you know i certainly have have my suspicions it certainly looks a heck of a lot like a, a certain somebody that we've seen before uh and uh, i would love it if it is i would also love if it isn't and there's a connection um but uh it's a great piece i mean it really is fairly uh you know evocative and uh, beyond the resemblance to a certain character that we've seen before it's just a great yeah, it's a great piece of art. You know, putting him on the cover was an absolute 11th hour, last second decision. Yeah. Um, we originally were going to put Quest on there, and, and I was going to put the man under the hood. I don't want to pull a Tom Filsinger here and actually say the, the Just wrong. tell him it's Plethador. <laughs> Go ahead. It's yeah. Plethador. I don't want to put Plethador on the hood. Oh! So, <laughs> but, uh, no, we, we had Quest on there, and I was going to put the man under the hood in the book, like a, like a card. Like, if you printed it out, you could... Anyway, we didn't do that. Just on the cover. And then uh, I think it worked out great because the, the reader gets that first glimpse. That's the first thing you see. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, again, it's a great piece and it's definitely the type of thing that because it's not one of the cards and because it's not necessarily a piece of artwork that is directly related to, you know, any of the specific events, although clearly it's the man under the hood, but it's, uh, or a man under a hood for that matter. Uh, I, I just think it is a really cool uh, conversation starter to say the least, which is is absolutely something that it's done. Um, let's talk a little bit about Quest. Uh, you know, obviously he has a huge part to play in the book and uh the card itself you know we he played a, a big part in the in the last booklet but now here he is kind of taking center stage and having uh card stats so he can step in the ring um talk a little bit about the creation uh you know taking him from being a character to taking him to having actual stats and you know what the process was for creating someone that could hold their own but wasn't necessarily going to be as dominant say as some of the other main eventers in uh, ftr yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, you, you've seen his stats. He's more of a brawler, or he is a brawler. Um, I don't even think he has even one real wrestling move on his whole card. Um, he's uh, he's not designed to be not anywhere close to being the top guy. Maybe not even I'm trying to think who like the top five or six guys are. He's probably down there in the fifth or sixth slot there. Uh, he's got the plus two finisher, so he's tough there. But I wanted a guy who could who was tougher on defense than he was on offense. And I think we accomplished that. And I wanted a guy who could get in there and, and hang with the disciple of terror and hang with the pardons and the crossbones, but not necessarily uh, be favored against them necessarily. But I don't want to get him in uh, in there and get him smushed either. So right. And you know, it's the way I've, I wrote it. You know, if, if I'm really being honest with the character, he can't be a wrestler. He can't be a great wrestler. He can be a great fighter. And he can be tough, but he can't be, he's not going to get in there and be doing her Karanas and press slams and things like that. So, and he shouldn't be beaten going in there and beating your tough guys, your, your tough, your top guys. So we'll see where he lands. Um, trying to think in my own fed, he beat somebody. I forget who, Oh, he beat mayhem in his first match. Mayhem on after that press conference, mayhem on to want to match with them. And he beat him pretty good. He knocked <laughs> him out with his finisher. And then he went against uh, Disciple, and Disciple beat him pretty handily. Didn't squash him, didn't put a bunch of tokens on him or anything, but never was in real trouble losing. And I think that's, you know, he's got, what is it? He has the uh, minus one power, zero agility, so pretty average. You know, a good, a better wrestler will, will uh, more agile wrestler, a stronger wrestler will beat him. He only has that one straight minus three move on level two offense. He has that choice D, so... Against a guy like Disciple Terror, that's going to be a tough move. He's got to roll a six or lower or something like that to get that. He's got the power covering that minus three move on level one. So, again, with that minus one power, that's not going to work against everybody, especially your bigger guys. So, so against guys like Pardon and Disciple Terror, he is going to have a harder time in the ring. But, you know, anything can happen. He's got a C-ropes. That's a big, as you guys know, big disadvantage. Anytime anybody has a C-ropes. Everybody in the set has a C, I think. Uh all four have a C on their card somewhere. And I think in FTR that's appropriate. Um, I think about C a lot. And I think when you hear C, it's average. It's not an F. The guy doesn't, he's not, he doesn't suck going out of the ring. He's not a piece right. of crap. So he's average, you know, nothing wrong with being average. So I kind of play it like that. Like, so you see a guy like Stallion, he has a C ring. And, and hopefully people don't look at that as some kind of major like weakness or, or flaw in his character because this guy is. Um, you know, I look at I look at Stein as a very, very young, but like a Thantos, like a Pegasus type, like a guy who's in there for the titles for all the right reasons and 
And so at this stage in his career, maybe he's not so great fighting out of the ring because that's not what he's interested in. That's not what he trains to do. And I'm yeah. track there off Quest and studying. But point being, a guy like Quest, who's a cop, you know, he's not going to be good running the ropes in the ring. Yeah. I, I I love this because honestly, it, you know, it went even deeper than than I had anticipated. But uh, I, I mean, just the the you know to borrow a wrestling term, the psychology, frankly, of putting together um, y- you know the stats and kind of figuring out a way that you can you can look at a card like quests just at face value, and especially if you take away the optional rules, for instance, which I mean, it's hard to believe they're even you know considered optional. They seem essential to me, but you take away like all the stuff in parentheses and you just look at the card and you see like oh, this looks like a strong card. But then you add in the intricacies of everything that you're talking about with like the power and the agility and the choices and, and, and how that all stacks up against some of these other cards. And you really start to see everything that you're talking about where you have this brawler who it can get in there and mix it up and has a chance against some folks, you know, especially against maybe a less powerful opponent or, you know, somebody that might not necessarily uh, be prepared for, for some of, you know, what he's got going for him. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of chinks in his armor and, and it would be easy enough to topple him if you've got somebody who's going to be you know more powerful or a little bit more agile and i i, I just love that kind of discussion because i feel like uh for folks that might not necessarily be as familiar with the you know the game rules it's it's easy to look at a finisher and a pin and and think that that's kind of tells you everything you need to know about a card and the truth is is like you can have a guy with a low pin or you know a somewhat strong finisher but that doesn't make them it doesn't make it a strong card. Um, you know, I can remember a discussion many moons ago about Jonathan Gresham's CZW card and about how somebody had mentioned that it was stronger than like the Brian Danielson uh, card. And it was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) It's not even close to being stronger than that card. It's just that it's got a low pen and a high finish and, and you need to look beyond that. And so everything that you just said, I think, you know, really gets into kind of the intricacies of what it takes to stat out a card and, and especially realizing where it sits in the placement of the rest of the set. Well, his strongest, uh, his, his biggest strength is he has uh, only one down on level three, and he has an A out of the ring. That's his only A on his card. So that's intentional. Yeah. Uh, he's that plus two finisher, which is obviously huge in FTR. Plus two in his GWF is like pedestrian average. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Know? So, and that's the, that's the intent. And, 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 and with the FTR, we're trying to move. Not that you can't take these guys and put them in the GWF lower card. You totally can. And, and 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 go for it but we're, we're moving we're moving away from that a little bit where these guys are they're kind of all fighting each other in ftr and that's how that's how i'm designing them now is it with that intent yeah well and now that you know the, the 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 cool thing that's happened in ftr and i'd love for you to talk a little bit about this is the fact that now you do have a few guys uh that can really give you know the top guys are run for the money so you've got a mix of four or five like you said earlier when you were talking about like a top five you've got a top five that could easily be your champion at any given time and might even trade the belt back and forth quite a few times so talk a little bit about the hierarchy in ftr i, w- I want to get to the other characters but since you mention it um tell us how you kind of plan that out and, and what you think as far as having more of a top tier as opposed to having a top guy all right, so I think about this stuff a lot, and if I start rambling, cut me off. <laughs> so I try to keep stuff protected. Disciple Terror is the only guy in the Fed with a plus three finisher. Crossbones is the only guy in the Fed with a minus four agility. Stuff like that. Um, so I know I wanted Disciple Terror, Pardon, Crossbones, uh, Astarte, 
and Stallion. And then and after that, Quest and uh, Swerve. I think that's the, your top seven, top half of the of the league. I don't think I'm, I'm forgetting anybody there. Um, I wanted Disciple Terror to kind of be the top bad guy. Uh, and Pardon is kind of like, you know, he's, he's, he, he can go either way. It's kind of up to you, promoter, especially with, with the Crossbones thing. Crossbones, and, and, I, and I, did, I wish I could say I did this intentionally, but I really didn't. I, when you look at Crossbones' card, his first card, with all these new FTR guys, I just kind of bumped them up a little bit. So he had a choice F. He had um, a C turnbuckle already, stuff like that. I don't have the cards in front of me. So there was some stuff I kept, and there was some stuff you improved. His C, whatever, becomes a B. His Bs become As. Uh, I think another thing became an A. Anyway, you want to show that the character is improving, not just write all new stats. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when you look at his new card, and then you look at Pardon's card, when they fight each other, they have to make when they're going against each other with these choice charts. And I'll tell you why. I'm trying to think by memory. Crossbones has a choice F, which is a power move. Pardon has the minus two power. Pardon gets absolutely screwed on level three offense with that choice H and E. Mm-hmm. Crossbones has minus four agility. So I'm, I'm, I, I, when, as soon as I got the cards, I played one match just to play, just to see how they played. And it went on forever. Nice. And they had to hit these super low rolls, these choices. I was just like, wow. To the point where there wasn't even a winner. They just had so many tokens. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it officially now. And then, as I told you earlier, Pardon won the first one, then Crossbones won the second one. So it's, I could not be happier how those two cards right there play off each other. And I would, you know, FTR is going to be in your guys' hands. It's going to be up to you promoters, but (laughs) you know, I would like those guys to be near the top for, for a while. Um, Stallion obviously has a ton of room to improve. He's in that top tier. Um, You, he already has a minus two power, minus one agility. That's to show you the natural ability this guy has. Um, I think the double finisher, double zero finisher is a good, way to show a rookie because he's a rookie um it's full of potential but he's not over the top yet um because double zero finisher nowadays especially in gwf is not much right i think we can agree on that but in ftr i think it's still pretty decent yeah it's only a couple guys who i think swerve is the only guy who has a double and then pardon has a double finisher so i try to make sure some guys like i want to say it's a, yeah, a star take. He has a potential plus four finisher. I want to keep that protected. You know, stuff like that. So when you lay all the cards out, you look at everybody has like not everybody, but a lot of these new top guys. They all have one or two things that make them very unique and special. Yeah, I, I, I that absolutely comes through. Um, you know, and I want to pivot over to Mike for a second because I, I know that you know you guys kind of dialogue usually in the creation of a lot of this stuff. And Mike, obviously, you have quite a bit of experience in statting cards with Centra and things like that. So I would love to kind of get kind of some of your input based off of what Rob is saying about FTR and about you know the way that these cards have been statted and the tier of talent in FTR and how that just relates in general to you know other other cards and other sets. Yeah, well, I, I think that's really what makes uh, the sets better. Um, it's it's one thing to tell a good story um, in the booklet, but if it doesn't translate into good matches, you know, when you play it out, it 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 doesn't quite. It rings a little hollow. So I think what Rob's um, done with these cards, and and you know, I try and do uh, similar things with like future shot cards is you try and like sort of play off of a rival is going to play off his enemy's weakness, right? He's going to know him better and he's going to play off those weaknesses. So to have a card 
like the the pardon card versus the crossbones card that that sort of take advantage of the other's weaknesses um i think that's it's great storytelling um i think it and it's and it's important to the uh to actually being able to um get a really top tier story told in champions of the galaxy um you need that so i i I love what rob's done with it i'm really uh thrilled that he's happy with it um after having played a couple matches so that's that means you did a good job rob thanks dude that feud only works if the matches are fun and and competitive that's why you know it wasn't planned that this got moved up and i do appreciate that it did but it was nice because pardon was obviously so much better than that original crossbones and it was nice to get that out of the way and and that art is so good um the yeah. matches, the special matches, which just kind of came out of nowhere. That, that was, those were two, again, last minute things. So, yeah, that feud only works if the matches are good. So there's a lot, there's a lot there with those two matches and all the way those cards play off each other. So I'm real happy with it. So you know what? I, again, I do want to get back to a couple of the other cards and talk about the other three cards. But let's go ahead and actually go over to the matches real quick because we've got you know two new special matches, which is awesome. I know promoters are excited about that. We've got the walk the plank match and the brimstone burning match. Um, you already talked a little bit about the brimstone burning match, but let's talk about the uh, the the walk the plank match and and kind of where that came from uh, and you know how you feel about the actual rules that that, that went out there in the booklet. Well, the walk the plank match just I, it came about because I came up with the brimstone burning match, and <laughs> I came up with the brimstone burning match because I like basically I was so negative towards the AW thing that I wanted to turn that around to a positive. Sure. So I was like, well, I'll try to make it because I want I knew I wanted to do a special match, and I was like, I'll try to do that. And I know it's simple, and and me and Ricky talked about this too. Um, I prefer simple over big charts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I like, I like the randomness, um, the simplicity of both of these, uh, both these matches, the walk the plank match came about because I needed something for crossbones to do. And just like anybody else thought, okay, how do you, what's a walk the plank match? So that's what I came up with cosmic cage with the plank. I knew that I didn't want to, again, I wanted to keep it simplistic. I, if you won, if you won the match, which is essentially a cosmic cage match, I didn't want to like take it away from the guy. You know what I mean? I wanted to make it kind of easy uh, to get that sale. And then Crossbones, he started out with minus three. Then at the very, I think that was one of the last edits I had Mike do for me. I said, just give, just give him the minus four. Screw it. Cause I want him to be dominant in that match. Um, I thought if pardon, if, cause I want, cause I, we talk about protection. I want pardon. I want to keep him protected. So I thought if pardon was beating Crossbones, um, let's say it was a 60, 40 type of thing. I wanted I wanted Crossbones to be dominant, almost like a 90-10 mm-hmm. in that match. Because I thought we're doing this thing where I, I don't want to say it's a double turn, but there's certainly potential. It's, it, it's going to be up to the promoter, but in some someone's fed, uh, they might make Crossbones a hero. And I thought that that special match helped get him over as a face. He's, a, I mean, he's a, he has a skull face. He's a pirate from Brimstone. Like He's not ever really going to be a hero wrestler, but in the context of this feud, I think he can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I have to say that one of the things I love about the the walk the plank match is that it it kind of takes what I think uh, a lot of people usually think of as a negative with some sort of like escape uh, stipulation in a cage match. You know, most people prefer just, you know, pen or submission in the ring. And, and it kind of actually tweaks that just a little bit so that it makes the escape 
make sense. And even though it's not a traditional escape, they're not climbing over the top. They have to climb up. They have to walk the plank. And there's something about that that I just really, really like. It's kind of like saying like, uh, you know, look, most people aren't a huge fan of escaping, but this, you know, is an opportunity to kind of just tweak that just a little bit that I, that it makes so much sense in, in terms of not only the character, but also with the, with the match itself. Uh, so I really appreciated that ab- about the match. And I do love the way that, y- you know, again, you've kept it simple and yet you found this wonderful way to incorporate the agility uh, into the, the chart role to, you know, really kind of figure out the winner. And, and, and as you mentioned, like Captain Crossbones is going to be stellar at that. Um, and I want to pivot over to Todd here for a second. You know, Todd, I know obviously, you know, when it comes to uh, to stats and stuff like that, that uh, you usually take a little bit of a, of a backseat to, to other folks. But certainly with a, with a match and a chart like this, I'm very curious as to kind of what your thoughts are uh, about the match chart. Because I know you're always interested in kind of like the non, you know, stat stuff and kind of like the, you know, the, the non. I'm usually more into the non, the, 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 the non-wrestler cards. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't really develop a lot of matches per se. Sure. Myself. So, but I mean, it definitely looks look cool. I love the concepts of both; they're fantastic, and I think really fit what you know the aesthetic that you're going for, that that Rob was going for with these two guys. So, you know, obviously, big hardcore feud. They should each have their signature hardcore matches. So, I I loved it. I thought they were great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. One question I do want to ask about the Brimstone Burning match, because I, I, I'm curious, too, what other promoters think about this. Um, so obviously want to kind of take uh, your pulses on it, but also would love to hear feedback, uh, you know, in the discussion boards from what other promoters think. But I always find it interesting when you've got a match like the Brimstone Burning match, you've got barbed wire involved and you do something like into the ropes automatically becomes whip into barbed wire three, which totally works. I am curious though, if, if there was ever any thought to make that maybe like an ad one, uh, as opposed to just a straight, you know, whip into barbed wire three, because, you know, obviously if we're going to the barbed wire, most likely, you know, somebody's getting bloody and, 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 and it seems like that can take a lot out of a wrestler. Uh, I think obviously, you know, the creativity aspect comes into play because now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, maybe for whatever reason they don't get cut up or, you know, maybe if they go to a pen and you add one or whatnot. So I'm just curious as to, as to why it's just the three as opposed to an add one or, or something else. Yeah, I, I, I did debate that. And the reason I didn't do it is because the, the two or 12 rule already adding one, mm. but it might just add ones all over the place. This goes back to what we talked about earlier, not adding fatigue tokens because I like the cards. So I didn't want to just have a, a chart uh, every adding one to these guys all the time. So and I also thought it might take away from the whole two or 12 explosion thing. Sure. Tom wrote a bar. I can't think of the official name of it, but he wrote a barbed wire match at some point. And that's exactly how it worked. Like you said, it was, this is minus three, add one. And this is, or it might even add two. I forget. But it, it was at one. It was the barbed wire cage match. I actually yeah. I have the rule book somewhere here, but it's not 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 super close. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. That's how it, that's how it works. So I just thought that uh, because I was doing the two twelve explosion, add one to everybody. That if I did that, it might be overkill a little bit. But if someone decided that they wanted to do that, that would be perfectly acceptable. And I completely understand what the thought process there. Another reason being into the ropes, strictly making it strictly transforming it to a, a straight level three move is already right yeah yeah so. no that's a great point and it, and I, I like hearing that because again one of the things that you kind of have reiterated a number of times is 
keeping things special, which is, which is awesome because it's something that, you know, even in, in the real world, wrestling doesn't always do a good job of. And, you know, within the game, you know, by, by keeping things special when, when the cool stuff does happen, like the explosion, for instance, on a two for 12 and you add the one, like it's, you know, it means more, um, keeping things simple because it makes the matches a little bit, I think not only easier to play, but more enjoyable because you're not layering on too much stuff. I know back in the day with like the, the GWF hardcore, yahoo group that i was a part of back in like 99 or whatever some of the matches that guys were coming up with myself included were so overblown i mean we're talking about you roll on this chart to roll on this chart to roll on this i mean literally some of those matches had like three or four charts just for like a you know some sort of crazy like you know barbed wire double glass pain exploding fire of hell toilet seat <laughs> match and so like you know it, it, which which is fine i mean they had their place and people i know got enjoyment out of them which is the whole point but there's absolutely something to be said for keeping it simple to you know streamlining that process uh, and, and then like i said keeping things special and 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 i think that it, it's just a hallmark of it, it seems like what you what you do and 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 i know that i appreciate that um so I, I just think that both of the matches work really well and I'm looking forward to playing them and, and actually realizing them as opposed to just kind of looking at them and talking about them. Yeah. Thanks. You know, I've done it both ways. I did a Rylock Rob match for paralyzed years ago and there was a different chart for turnbuckle, a different chart for death jump, a different chart for grabbing the rod, then a different chart for smashing the guy with the rod. And it's not a match you want to play, you know, more than like once or twice a year. It's just, it's almost kind of <laughs> exhausting. And then it's just like, eh, the, char- the charts are kind of determining it. And the cards kind of become second. So I, me personally, just not a thing. Yeah. And, it, you know, but I, I think that, I, I think that that's valid. Cause I do think that there are, there are times where it works and there's times where it's not a match. You're going to necessarily roll a lot. Like I, like I love the coffin match. You know, I think the coffin match is, yeah. is a great match, but it's one of those matches that's fairly chart heavy. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a chart, but it's used a lot and it can make those matches go a really long time. But if you're only pulling it out once in a blue moon, it's like, it's great. But for this, it's like, it's an opportunity to kind of play a series of these matches and not feel like you're, you know, sitting down for an hour every time you get ready to roll one out. <laughs> well, I know also we did, uh, you know, Zeke and I worked a little bit on the, the CZW sets a number of years ago, and he we always put special matches into that one. And I remember there was one time where we had like, the barbed wire ropes match and then the panes of glass and then there was something else and then you could combine them all you yeah. have like all for like you have like explosions plus panes of glass plus doors plus barbed wire ropes and just use all the charts together depending on everything if you really wanted to do that <laughs> but it was like exhausting right which which again like if you're doing like that tournament of death, death right. and that like you want that to... tournament of death it's it makes sense you right know, right because you're doing it like once a year basically as opposed to you know every card or whatever right. um so, you know, pulling back from the matches real quick uh, and getting back to the the wrestler cards, you mentioned Stallion earlier, and we've kind of talked a little bit about him already, so I, I feel like there's not a whole lot more to add. But uh, I, I love the card. I love the art. Uh, obviously, I love uh, his introduction in, in the booklet. Um, you, you mentioned the double zero finishers. Um, you, you know, talk a little bit, because you, you said he had room to grow, and I completely agree, and I'm looking forward to, you know, to, to seeing – just how he does as is. Um, but where do you, you know, where do you see 
this character going? Um, and where do you see, without necessarily spoiling anything, and where do you see him kind of the, the potential for him to, to grow into? Well, I actually haven't thought at all um, about what he's <laughs> next. Um, I just, I love him as he is. I don't, you know, he's, I think he's cool f- for now. And uh, I like what he's doing there with his teammates. And I, I think it has a lot of potential. I just, I see that guy as a wrestler's wrestler. Um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but he's kind of, personality-wise, he's kind of modeled after J.J. Watt. I remember when J.J. Watt was coming out of the draft. <laughs> one of the knocks against him was he just was always in, always studying film and he was always working out and they were just like, maybe he's a little too obsessed with football. And then look at him now. He's a hall, future hall of famer. So this yeah. that's kind of how stallion is. Um, he's just an athlete. He's a gifted athlete and he, and he, and he doesn't waste a, you know, a shred of it. So yeah, he's a really good wrestler. He's uh, I could see him as, I could see him being a top guy. I could see him being the top guy in FTR one day for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like I said. I mean, I I love the card, and and I think uh, you know the art is is uh, different uh, from you know from the other cards uh, included in Prime this this quarter. And um, the the thing that I that I really loved about his introduction in the booklet is that he is clearly a serious character, but you put him in such an absurd situation and it just, it really, really plays. Uh, I, I believe one, one person on the discussion board said it was the funniest thing they'd like ever read in, in the COTG verse. So, so kudos for that. <laughs> yeah, I, thank you. These guys just write themselves. <clears throat> it, it's really true. And, and I just sat down and wrote it and that's just how it came out. And I will say this, I had a very hard time coming up with, uh, the name of the team. And I was talking to my buddy, Kevin Butcher one night about it. And I was like, I'm having a hard time coming up with uh, a team name for Uranus. And he, he mentioned something simply, basically what happened. Just said, have, have a uh, study take over and call it the stable, which I like to believe I would have thought of that eventually. So, <laughs> but, so that's what I ended up doing. Now um, with that in mind, knowing he was going to name it, we started, I started writing that and that's how it came out. And and I, I think it, you know, I hope people like it. I, I'm happy with it. And, we kind of talked about this in the last podcast. Uranus is such a great character that you don't really need to do anything with the stats as long as you keep writing them the right yeah. way. Yeah. And I don't sure. know where that's going to go. Cause you know, he can't, he can't be oblivious to him forever, but I think he can certainly get away with it for a while. I know he will in my fed. <laughs> he already has. In fact, I'll tell you what happened to my fed. They had a, uh, the rocket man went against the stable in a four on four uh, elimination match. And it came down to, Stallion and Uranus and against somebody I forget who was Johnny Sunny Rocket or Stark. Anyway, they end up winning, but but Stallion treats it like I'm the sole survivor. I did it on my own, <laughs> so he's doesn't he's not even so. I, even in my mind, I don't know if he's just like messing with Uranus or if he just just refuses to accept reality, which I think is more what it is. But I don't even know yet. The character is developing, you know, before our eyes. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Todd, what are your thoughts on Stallion? Uh, I'm cool. I mean, I love, I love that we have someone else from Pegasus now. Yeah. yeah. It's always a classic character. So kind of, you know, I thought that was kind of a cool, you know, uh, area to kind of revisit. And obviously the, 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 uh, the name is, is a nice little, uh, pun there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my favorite part of course was the press conference and, and just being <laughs> like, what the hell did I get myself into? You know, uh, with all this, I remember Rob telling me about this, uh, well in advance and I just like, Oh, this, this is great. Yeah. So, 
really looking forward to it. And then obviously we'll talk about his new uh, stable meet pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what are, what are your thoughts on Stallion? I mean, I love it. I, I always say that, you know, one of my goals with sets is to try and find like a new piece of art that we haven't quite done that way before. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, Stallion kind of, it's a, you know, it, it's a great pose. I think it, it's different. Um, and, and I love, you know, the card, like to Rob's point, the potential of the character, but also it's not like he won't be good until you give him an upgrade or something like that. He, he's, he's already a great card to have in the FTR. Um, but he clearly looks like he's got a bright future in front of him. I mean, I just, and I, you know, I love the interaction. I mean, it's just, he and Uranus, it's, it's just such a, an odd couple um, that, you know, you, you, I mean, the guy who, I mean, I don't want to say he's the least serious wrestler in the FDR because there are some <laughs> fairly interesting characters in the FDR. But, we have but a wrestling right. penguin. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and, and, and his mouthpiece. Um, <laughs> his mouthpiece uh, oh, oh, and then you've got like a guy we haven't gotten to yet, but, you know, crust. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and you've got, you know, the, the scientists and everything else. So there's, Rob's got some real wacky stuff going on in FDR and, and that's good. I think it, it, it um, you know, it gives people something different, right? I mean, if you look at what he's done with Kronos where it's gotten very serious, there's not a lot of joking around in Kronos. So it's nice to have some levity over here that, you know, kind of a little bit more lighthearted. Um, and I think that, uh, but I just, I just love the, you know, the interaction. I mean, I'm like, you know, I, I, I feel like he's going to like, you know, you're almost going to have him like take off his robe for a match and hand it to Uranus and give him a tip, you know, or something, you know, like, uh, you know, like, thank, thanks, thanks. You know, like pats him on the head or something. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Thanks. 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 Like, there could be vignettes where he's like the limo driver. There's all kinds right. of things you could do with this. So I- right. You know, I mean, I like, you know, footman, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. Let, 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 let's uh, let, let's go. So I mean, I, I I just love it. I think it's 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 a great card. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to using it. Well, you know, I, the interesting thing about Stallion is I back when I wrote FTR Suspects, I debated it was I was going to either make him from Pegasus or from Era, like Terminus. Mm. And he was, but the, here's the thing: even as a Terminus, he was he was still going to be. Not, I don't think Stein turned out to be flamboyant. Though. This other character was going to have a big mohawk. And anyway, it didn't make the cut. I, I'm, I'm happy I made him from Pegasus. Because like you said, Sam, he is a serious character. And he's a serious character in a ridiculous, currently in a ridiculous situation. Long term, absolutely a serious character. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, one of the things that, that kind of got mentioned earlier is the fact that you can tell this great story in the booklet, but if, if it doesn't match up with the card, you know, or if the card doesn't kind of, you know, complement the story, um, it, it can fall flat. And it's very similar to, to real life wrestling. It's like you can have all the, the backstage or in-ring promos or vignettes or whatever you want to put together and, and they can be stellar and they can be awesome. But if the storytelling that happens in the ring, in the matches doesn't measure up or doesn't complement complement that then it just falls flat and it, does, it, it ends up meaning nothing and i think that one of the things about stallion's card is it's like yeah you do you kind of look at that card and you do you see a wrestler's wrestler on that card and and you see a guy who might you know he, he's got an ego you know he might be a little pompous he might be a little you know but but again how is that really 
any different from like you said, like, like somebody like Thantos or Pegasus or, you know, and so it, it kind of automatically, he might not necessarily be in their league per se, but it puts him in that, in that kind of uh, uh, placement, which I think is cool. Um, and he can clearly, he can go far just based off of what he is now, but the fact that he does have room to grow, uh, it makes him all the more interesting. Um, so let's, you know, Mike brought him up. Let's talk crust. Uh, you know, the, the first character that, uh, that, that got uh, dropped, I believe in, in the teasers, uh, and, and certainly had people, uh, interested, um, talk about the creation of crust and, and how you create a character like this, uh, you know, similar to kind of like somebody like, uh, you know, King Tux or, or whatever, that's not your traditional, you know, six foot something, 200 and something, uh, and, and make it interesting and make it competitive also. Uh, I wish I could tell you I had a game plan, but it was completely spontaneous. This, this character I've had crossed for years. He was part of that FTR three set, but back then he was, he was like mass. He was big and heavy, mm. slow and dumb. And, and I never, this, I, I, I usually have stats written out somewhere and, and I, all I had was his skeleton. And I didn't have anything else written in there. So he was the last guy I stated. So when I got to him, I put in his height and weight and immediately didn't like it. I put him in at like 6'8 and whatever, 350, I forget. And the, the plus, you know, the minus three power. And I just was like, this is lazy. It just, just wasn't clicking. So I just went in the complete opposite direction. What if I made him really small? And as soon as I started doing that, it just clicked. <laughs> and I think I even, I, I, I bother Todd and Mike all the time in the middle of the day. I sent him these matches I came up with. Like I'll send him a part of the match, then a couple minutes later, the rest of the match, then a, then a revised version a second, you know, a couple minutes later. And I think I did that, that is all fun. true. That is all very true. <laughs> There'll be two more revisions before you can comment back on the first one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and actually, there's there's already going to be a revision of the walk of the plank match that'll be posted somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I go through these like spot, these bursts of, of spontaneous energy and then I slow down for a while, but that's how he was. He, he, and I just, like I said, as soon as I said, well, if I went real small with him to the point where like, I'm sitting here at my desk and my legends cards are down here under my desk. And I was, I was, uh, I sold a legend card to somebody. So I was going through my cards and my sky Lolo card was on top and I looked at it and I was like, Hmm. And that's what kind of gave me the inspiration. So I looked at that card, I looked at some of the moves he had and, and I, first, I said, is this, is this ridiculous or is it workable? And I, and I thought it was workable. And I'm, I'm super happy with how he came out. And what's cool about Crust is he's not a human being. He's, an, he's a creation. He's an alien. He's just this thing. So you can give him plus three power, and it's not ridiculous at four foot, 100 pounds. Because he could be this, even not the plus three is, is good, but you'd naturally think, well, plus five. Cause he's right. Small. But because he's this little you know, alien creation, you could see him get away with that. And I, and I, I thought it made sense that he could have brains and he could talk and he could fly around the ring, but that as soon as he got hit with something, he's out. And so he has <laughs> five downs on his card and, and I didn't want to go the um, obvious route by just giving him a super high pin because mass already has a, a nine, six. So I've had a couple, did I have a match with him? I had that four on four match and they, they eliminated, uh, I want to say they eliminated both totally awesome and electric acts. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, you know, got eliminated themselves rather quickly after that. But Mass, for me at least, does has always done surprisingly well. It doesn't mean he wins, but he does surprisingly well for not having a finisher and for having all those Cs. And I guess it's his defense. So they'll be a fun tag team. Um, they're right there with the, the Mad Maxis, where if you really look at them, they're jobbers. They're, you know, they're not, 
you put them in the GWF and they're they're just above the cast list team. They're not much better. Right. So just fun, um, hopefully fun. Hopefully people like him. I like him. And he's and with FTR, I've talked about this before. I try to be. It's a good place to experiment. If something fails, oh well, it failed. It's FTR. So I think a character like this, uh, I think works really well in FTR, where it might not work on Kronos, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked about three characters thus far out of the four and, and you look at each one of them and they, there's so much you know, diversity there between the characters and between the stats and, you know, the niche that they would fill. Even if you look at it beyond the storylines that are taking place, you know, you, like you said, you've got a guy who's not really a wrestler, he's a brawler. You've got a guy who's, you know, who's a stud. He's, 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 he's like the, the beginnings of, of a truly classic, great wrestling talent. You've got this, you know, science experiment gone slightly wrong and uh, a very unique character, both in the size and, you know, and everything, the way that the card is, is kind of laid out. And, and like I said, with all the, the five down, and um you know i think that that's that that's really really uh cool and then of course we've already talked a little bit about him you get kind of the, the star uh, of, the, of this grouping if you will in captain crossbones and you know you mentioned earlier that when looking at doing this upgrade that it wasn't so much as like redesigning the card or redoing the card but it was just looking at like what can you know what do i do to the existing card to make him just better um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Maybe go into a little bit more detail um, than, than what we've already done. Yeah, well, like you look at his finisher, Black Sills. That was his finisher before, plus one, and it was a tornado DDT off the ropes. So I'm talking to uh, Richie, the creator, original creator, and we came up with the idea. He 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 still liked that move a lot. So I asked him, "Hey, you want a new finisher? You want to stick with Black Sills? Stick with Black Sills." So okay, so how do we make it, make it better? And that worked out really well with the rotations. You know, you hit the one to three, it's a plus two. You hit the four to six, it's a plus three. And the, the finisher rating indicates the number of rotations. So you, I, I can visualize that. And when I can visualize a finish like that, it, so that worked out really well. Boom, that finishes up. Um, his charts, again, just bumping those Cs up to Bs and Bs up to As. Um, he was already agile. I can't remember what he was, minus two, plus one, or something like that. So He's a minus four zero now. Um, I I think he lost two downs on his card, meaning like he only has two downs on his card now. I think he had four before. Yeah. Um, so just stuff like that. And Astarte is the same way. Like if you look at his original card and his new card, there's a clear progression there. It's a, it's clearly the same guy. There's, there's similar moves. There's a couple new moves, but there's similar moves. And uh, I I thought that Crossbones was such a fun character before that I didn't want to tweak him too much. So he 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 kept the choice F. He, I think he even kept his choice B. He's got a choice B. Yeah. 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 So and and you know I, I show all this stuff to Richie and Richie loved, loved it. So um, you always I, at least for me I I like to bump him up later. So originally he I think he had two Bs and just the one A. And at the last minute I asked Mike to bump that uh, death jump. I think it was death jump. I don't. Know, it doesn't matter. One yeah. of them. Yeah. A. Yes, and I thought that yeah. made sense with him with the, with the agility. So he's a protected guy. I, I I can't see anybody else having a minus four agility for a while. I want to keep that you know special. Not not that it, you know that's the other thing. I actually debated should should somebody in FDR have a minus four agility? And I went I went back and forth about it a lot. And I thought, well, there's so many guys in GWF and other places with minus five that I thought. I could get away with it. And obviously um, nobody would ever have a minus five uh, anything in FTR. 
I thought I'd get away with one guy having that minus four, that one, that one top guy. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you, I, I think, uh, I think it works for sure. And, and just thinking about the the depth of talent that now kind of exists within FTR, it makes sense that you would have somebody like that. And, and I think because it's balanced, you know, it's not, it's not like we're talking about somebody who's minus two power, minus four agility or something right. like that. You know, it's, it's like, he still kind of has that, uh, that, that flaw, if you will. Uh, and I think it turned out really, really well. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, to, to getting them in action. Um, because I know that, that the original card, you know, was, was certainly not bad by any means, but it certainly didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't at the caliber that it is now. And it certainly wasn't at the caliber of some of the other talent within FTR as it stands now. So it's, it was, I, I think, you know, you talked about this last time around about him getting an update, you know, when we were talking FTR and, and so it's, it does, it's funny because in a way it almost, it almost feels like it was a long time coming, but it really wasn't because, things happened quicker than anticipated. So it's great because, you know, now it's, it's, it's this kind of happy accident where we get to to have him measuring up with pardon sooner rather than later. Yeah. It was, I think the timing was real good for that. It's a cool feud, um, cool art. And what's, what else is nice is like, that's his prime card. Like, so you want to make sure that you leave room for other guys. You, all of a sudden, if you give him a minus three agility and you want to do one of your top guys and then, you know, next year or whatever you got an idea for something else and you're like eh, what do i do then all of a sudden that guy suffers because you capped out at minus three and like i'll use crust for example because i wanted him to be a you know a little dark j- jumping around and i really wanted to give minus three agility so that's another reason i gave crossbones minus four because i didn't want to handicap crust any more than he already was because he's already you know his defense is so bad so sure really <laughs> I mean, when when i'm designing them like I will look at them and I'll say, and I'll make sure that they don't, you know, they don't, one guy doesn't have, they don't both don't have into the ropes on level one. So stuff like that. So they play off each other. So one guy ends up uh, being the way he is because of the other guy, I want the other guy to be that way. So it's cool how they play off each other in the design process. Yeah. You know, one thing that I kind of want to talk about that, that goes kind of hand in hand with that and design process is that uh, we, we talked last week around with Zeke about um, card mechanics and, um, you know, certainly with the indie sets and a little bit more with the legend sets, you know, you've got, um, you know, card mechanics that go beyond like roll finishers and that sort of stuff. And you were talking a lot about obviously kind of keeping things simple. And so I am kind of curious as far as, uh, you know, with with Captain Crossbones, for instance, you've got a roll finisher. Um, but I'm curious as to kind of what your thoughts are on card mechanics that go beyond maybe a roll finisher, um, you know, that expand on on things. Because you, you do such a great job, I think, of staying within kind of the traditional set most of the times when it comes to to the to the card stats and just what your feelings are on those extended mechanics. All right. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> Let me start out by saying this. I think Zeke does an awesome job um, with what he does. But I will say that the, the bigger, uh, the, all the text at the bottom of the cards is a pet peeve of mine. I think that in the context of the game, it has to work in the context of the game. And, and if a guy does, like if a guy does a series of moves where he does a clothesline, he does a power bomb, then he does an elbow drop. Like they can't, it shouldn't be one move. There's got to be a way we can get that to fit on the card. Um, I, I, I love the indie stuff. I, I think, I think in the context of the game, there's always a way to streamline things and, and, and keep things as realistic as possible without 
without adding a huge uh, mechanic to it, let's say. And and we have this. This comes up in every comes up in Centra, comes up in the Chronos, comes up in GWF every year. And every year we whittle it down in, into a way that makes sense. And I mean, I guess it's personal preference, but when I see a card like Count Necros, I, I can really have a hard time reading it. And I almost think it kind of takes away from the character because you're playing a match. Like, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. There's people who say they don't use choice charts because it slows the match down. Well, if that slows the match down, what does a giant, you know, wall of text do to a match? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, it, and, and, and I will say this. I, the, the, what I do is so much easier than what Zeke has to do, you know, having fictional characters I can do whatever I want with. The indie scene, as we all know, is a different animal. These guys do, they, they fit tons of moves into these long matches. And a lot of these guys have multiple finishers. And it's, it's not an easy job when you have less than 18 moves to fit on a game card. Right. In the past, you've seen stuff like the Brian Danielson card when Napic would write it nice and clear at the bottom. That, that worked. For my personal taste, I think some of these guys have a little too much going on, and I would like to see a way to just condense it a little bit more and just make it more appealing to the eye for me. Yeah. I'm getting old. It's hard for me to read all this small text. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and I appreciate, I appreciate that, especially because again, you, you know, in talking about the, you know, going in depth, especially when we kick things off with quest and you were talking about stuff, I, I just have a great appreciation for the way that you've statted these cards. And like you said, I agree that, you know, your task is, is, is a little bit different because you're creating these fictional characters or taking some of these characters that other people maybe have created and tweaking them and whatnot. Um, whereas in, in the case of when you have a real wrestler that you're trying to replicate, sometimes you do run out of options within the confines of the card and you do want to find other ways to do things. And I know that, you know, again my first at bat for an official card uh, you know i've created a lot of bootlegs and stuff with with edith surreal todd and i went back and forth about a couple of things that i thought about doing like a defensive mechanic on her card because you know she tends to be able to get out of uh, submission moves rather easy and, and then announcers always point out like her long limbs and i'm sort of thinking to myself how do i incorporate this how do i incorporate this and then finally i remember texting todd after going back and forth for things and i was just sort of like you know what just let the card do the work. Like if she gets a reversal and somebody's put her in a hold, let the imagination take over. And you know, you've got your announcer saying like, Oh, her long limbs, she got out of that hold or whatever, as opposed to trying to put too much on the card. Now there was one thing I wanted to do. I did do like the melon baller thing where, cause sometimes she does it off the ropes as opposed to doing a regular move. And so I made that like an ad one, but yeah, I, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Um, and even though I personally love roll finishers, especially when you get the opportunity to maybe have a finisher, but it could be one of three finishers that they use, especially with Indies guys. I, you know, I don't mind that. Um, uh, I think that where I ended up when I was kind of stating that card is it was very much like what you're saying. It's just like, let the card do the work instead of adding, you know, adding something in. Well, we, we, you, don't let, we, we also don't let anyone have a defensive uh, mechanic like that until they've done at least their 10th card. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you were saying that, the first thing that popped in my mind is just give her a couple extra reversals. Like, yeah. there you go. Um, like Calvin Tankman, I'll say he's got a mechanic where you're, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Once a match, uh, how does it work? If the defensive, let's say the defensive wrestler rolls a two, is that right? He would normally take over. Instead, you can choose that he, ha- he has this minus three add one move. Is I think right? it was on off of a ropes. He can do like, right. a yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. to me, it's just like, that's why we have <laughs> the charts for stuff like that. Like, right. We have that. So like, so if he rolls a 12, it's the same. So it's, it's, it's 
I don't know. I just think there's there's ways of doing it and, and being honest and true to these people, these wrestlers who, and let's be honest, like every wrestler we sign is a is a gift. It's a miracle. It's amazing that we were able to do this. So we want to do the best job we can to portray them as as, as true as they are, while also being you know true to the game and and and, and trying to write these cards the way that the system is meant to be written. And I think. You know, when you get a bunch of cards and a lot of them have a lot of the stuff at the bottom and some guy, there's just a lot going on there. And I feel like there's probably a way to streamline it and uh, just kind of keep things a little bit cleaner and maybe moving a little bit faster. Because all of a sudden, you don't want mechanics like we talked about. Everything's, things are special and you want to keep things protected and people start to look the same. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a valid point. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, of a lot of the, the stuff that, that Zeke does. And for instance, like with the Chris Masters card, I think it's really cool that he was able to incorporate like the master lock challenge. If you, you know, if you roll the a one on the very first move of the match, like I think like, oh, that's kind of neat, you know, but, but I get what you're saying too, because it, you know, goes hand in hand with a lot of what we've been talking about where you do want to keep that thing special. And so when you do see, you know, everybody's got a mechanic, sometimes you do kind of wonder, but at the same time, you know, how do you stay true to these Indies guys sometimes without doing some of that stuff? So it, it's an interesting conversation to be had. And I really appreciate your, your point of view on it. And I mean, certainly I know kind of where I ended up, you, you know, when I started, you know, when I was like creating a card and plus having the pressure of like, this is an official card, this is not a card where I'm just going to like, you know, create it and then, you know, post it to a message board 10 years ago and nobody's going to ever use it. So uh, it, was, it was just a little bit different. It made me think about things in, in a different way. So I appreciate having, having your perspective on it. Um, last thing that I wanted to talk about, cause y- y- you know, I, I don't want to take up too, too much more of, of your time or the listener's time, but I do want to mention that one of the things that I really enjoyed about the booklet is that we have this overarching uh, plot with the disappearance of blue chip and quests mission to kind of find the perpetrator. And we get a lot of new information through that, but, and we've already touched on this a little bit, that doesn't necessarily give promoters a ton of room. Like, yeah, I mean, y- you've got this overarching thing that, that that's taking place within the context of FTR. But the really cool thing is, is that you've got all of these other smaller, not smaller in importance, but smaller as in they don't necessarily take up as much space necessarily in the booklet as, as Quest's, you know, investigation. Uh, like Stallion's introduction or, or like some of the stuff between Crossbones and Pardon and, and, and some of these other moment crusts introduction, for instance. And, and I think that, that the lovely thing is, is that all of those, forgive the pun, are wonderful launching pads for promoters to be able to, to, to you know, create and, and do things. So I would love to hear your thoughts. On, and, and the booklet is something that I've been fortunate enough to live with for a little bit because I got to see it fairly early on and, and, and assist in some of the, the editing or whatnot. But like, I'm curious as to to, you know, your process in creating kind of that overarching story that, that, that permeates everything while also focusing on some of those smaller character bits that I think give the creative freedom to the promoters that they might not necessarily have as much with the investigation. Well, Mike and I talk about this stuff all the time. Um, there's always your, your main story and then there's the stuff that falls underneath it. And I'm a big fall underneath it guy. <laughs> always have been. Um, dating back to just the kind of guys I liked in the GWF, you know, I always thought that's what made being a GWF fan unique is everybody liked Wolf and everybody liked the gladiators and stuff. But then there was people like me who like love justice. Yeah. And Tim Dalton loved justice, but most people wouldn't tell you justice was their favorite guy. 
other people might tell you mad jester or there i remember i remember reading the promoter as a kid and someone's heavyweight champion was Tarek the barbarian and they feud with the mad jester that was their main <laughs> event i just thought that was the coolest thing ever so i'm a big under under the main story guy um with, with my own stuff uh and what's interesting about quest is you know will people like using him um he's not a wrestler per se he he might even be perceived as a uh, a specialty character like people might go oh this guy doesn't uh, he maybe he won't be around for a long time and i i'm not saying he will or won't i haven't decided myself but he's certainly not stallion who you can see okay this guy's like he's he's firmly planted he's a rookie he can see this guy blossom where he's planted quest is a completely different character than that um so when you give someone a character like that, and in fact, I thought this, I felt very strongly when Stallion was teased, I felt like people, because he got a huge positive reaction, and I felt like he got a huge positive reaction because you got Crust, who was, who's a, a clown, you get uh, Quest, who's a, a specialty character, or could be perceived that way, and then you get Crossbones, who's cool, but he's an update, you finally got a wrestler. You finally got that humanoid wrestler. And that's what this game is about. It's about wrestling. So even when you do the, the crazy ace stuff and you do the, you know, the, the, the crazy black death stuff and you do the crazy FTR murder suspect stuff that I'm doing, you still got to keep it wrestling. And, and, and that's what I've done. And, and it's funny because when you read quest, like it's, you know, you wouldn't, a cop wouldn't be beating a confession out of people would punch them in the face and stuff, <laughs> but it's wrestling, you know, it's fun. It's funny. It's maybe not funny, but it's fun. So it's wrestling. So you keep it, like you said, lighthearted. And that's what I try to do. Even though we're doing this like murder mystery, I try to keep it lighthearted and, and having guys like crust and having guys uh, like Uranus around it, it takes that edge off. So, um, I'm really happy with the with the way those the four new characters kind of play off each other. And I would actually like to get more wrestling. This is probably a good time to talk about this. More the FTR more wrestling orientated in the next edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next set that the, the full set that I'll write here, the last one. Um the, obviously it's still gonna be pretty heavy on the murder stuff because that's gotta go somewhere, but there's gonna be a new uh direction that's gonna be strictly wrestling related. Um uh, involving uh, Commissioner Rocket and and him wanting to take the, basically divert attention away from all this mess going on by creating something over here that's really for the wrestling fan and and so that's the direction so we'll again in the next one we'll have two two big stories that are going on at the same time basically exactly what you just said well I feel well, like you kind it, of already planted the seed too with with Commissioner Rocket sorry Mike go ahead no I was, I was just going to say Commissioner Rocket I almost feel as like a little bit of Rob's conscience, like, no, 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 come on, let's focus on the other stuff. Let's check out all these other cool things that are going on in the fed. Um, and, and it, and it, it's part of the story, obviously. Um, but it's also kind of cool in that he's like, no, the show's got to go on. Look at all the talent we have here. Like, let's, let's focus. Like, you know, he, he changes his wardrobe after he's interviewed to come back out and be an announcer. Like, it's like, there's this like, okay, scene change. Let's go. Yeah. Like, um, so I think he kind of keeps it while there's some other characters who keep it lighthearted, like we were talking about earlier. I think, you know, Rocket's the guy who, who's sitting out there going, come on, look at the product. Don't just focus on this one thing. Look at everything we're doing. It's really cool. So I, to me, that's, that's one of the reasons I like that character. 
Well, he's been fun to write because he, you know, he gets the promotion and immediately just has all this turmoil to deal with. And he's, he's he, you could see how this character would be so frustrated. Like he can't even get his, his plane off the ground. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things that, you know, Mike just kind of brought up is is, is that, you know, there is a literal literal moment in, in the book where he does kind of say like, hey, let's let's forget about all this stuff and focus on this stuff. And I feel like it's a wonderful opportunity, too, for promoters and, and, and that you don't have to focus on, you know, the disappearance. Like you said, it's about the wrestling and there's all these other wonderful storylines and wonderful things to pick up on. And yet you've got this thing that's kind of just looming in, in the background, this oppressive, heavy thing that's kind of, you know, it's like I say, it's a murder investigation you know that's there and can really always kind of be there but doesn't have to be the focus when you're when you're playing the game which is the great thing about the booklet because it does kind of take the primary focus a lot of times and and so i'm really interested to see what comes next um you know with with commissioner rocket trying to kind of figure all that out todd i was going to say i think you know the thing is i think the investigation does fit into the game at least you know who quest is going to be wrestling against there's all these different suspects that have been announced there so it kind of really builds in like okay i have to have this match i have to have this match for you know quest to get close to them and so i think it's cool that yeah there's this overarching story and it does somewhat tie into like how how to structure the, the fed that, no, that's a great point, especially with, like you said, with Quest, like wanting Quest, to kind of like get into the ring with the suspects and see how they fight and see what he can learn about them, which I think is a really cool aspect of his character. And, uh, you know, and of course, obviously the DNA sample being the, the <laughs> finisher, and, you know, wanting to, to draw some blood. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. You know, it's funny. There's there's more that we could have talked about clearly. Uh, but, I you know, I do kind of want to wrap this part of the discussion up. I, I'm very interested to see what happens with Swerve next, because obviously he's a huge part of i think what's coming next i want to know what payback is doing on the cover i mean what that guy is doing on the cover um you know i want i yeah, there's 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 just a lot of really cool stuff that's clearly you know still coming um and uh and 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 i do want to pose the question of what's next but i you know uh, i i do it gingerly uh and and certainly allow you to say no comment if you like <laughs> well I will say I didn't try too hard to conceal that guy's uh, identity. So there is a huge payoff coming with uh, with this. There's a big payoff coming in the next FTR, and then there's an even bigger payoff coming later on. I'll just leave it at that. But you, you, this isn't going to linger for too much longer. Um, you're going to get a nice payoff um, in FTR. I won't say the name of it yet, but the, we'll just call it part three for now. And is it did that get moved up, Todd? Is that coming out Q four still, or did we decide? Still on not it? not decided exactly yet, uh, but there's it's possible. Okay, uh, but either yeah, way, we're still kind of figuring out our end of the year schedule with a couple things. Okay, yeah. Well, I haven't written it. The nice thing about um, I have it. I have it. All it won't be Q three. I'll say that though. That no, we no, have something Oaks that's set for Q three for sure. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. So it'll be it'll be a nice payoff. I think people will be I'll be happy with it. Todd, anything else that you want to you want to add or ask? You know, I just wanted to add one more thing. I was uh, I was going to say earlier on, um, but uh, you know, one of the things I think is kind of cool with kind of playing around with the FTR is also like the headshots in the back that sometimes Rob and Mike have kind of played around with that a little bit. So like you, I, I didn't realize you know the, the whole close up of the the void one from FTR two, you know, really you. close up, really going to that, but then. And this this set here, at first I thought it was an error, and then I'm like, oh no, wait, crust is too short to fit into his headshots. <laughs> I thought that was a great little twist added in there. That was Mike's idea. I didn't like it at first. I told him to change it back. 
And then, <laughs> and then I looked at it some more, and I was like, "Nah, that's cool. You know, it, it works with the character." Because and you can, and you can see the scientists in there too. <laughs> yeah. Too, and what's cool? What I like about Crust is he's funny, but he doesn't know he's funny. You know? Yeah. Right. 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 He doesn't act funny. Like he's he's almost like cute. You know what I mean? He's funny, but he's not intentionally. He's not trying to be funny. Yeah. So, and masks kind of they're just they're both kind of oblivious in their own way. It's like it's hard to it's it, in Stallion too. That whole team they're supposed to be villains, but like they're all kind of lovable, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see you know that that's the interesting thing is I could see promoters you know talking about the fans' reaction to that team and having the interesting thing is is having very different reactions for each character and having you know fans that love Stallion and fans that hate Stallion, but the same fans that love Stallion would maybe hate Crust and Mass or you know and, and vice versa. So I think it's a very interesting thing to kind of maybe play with. I know it's something that I've already been thinking about, um, you know, because I think that you're right, Crust can be looked at as kind of like almost a lovable loser in a way uh yeah. and people that fans get behind but they wouldn't necessarily get behind the rest of the team so it's i think it's just an interesting thing to kind of toy with and it's when i was writing stallion when i when i was coming up with the idea of stallion he was, a, he was a villain but as i wrote him as i wrote that scene he doesn't really come off as a villain mm-hmm. he, he, he almost it, he almost comes off as a hero but i i haven't decided yet in my own mind what he is because let's say even if he is a villain he's not a villain he doesn't cheat um, and, and if you read his bio, he's just this hardworking guy. There's really nothing about him to root to boo. So I see people kind of, and in the way he's written, people are already enamored with the way he looks. So he, you know, he kind of came in almost heroish, you know, and, and yeah. having that kind of like, um, and he's not dumb, but having that oblivious uh, attitude with Uranus, I think, is appealing as well. That makes him a bit of a hero too. I think. Right, what do you guys think? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I when I first read it, I did, I saw him as being someone who was probably a little bit more on the heroic side, but yeah. maybe just like had enough of an ego yeah. that he didn't completely understand. Like he's the type of guy that 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 is you know almost there, and yet he hasn't been he hasn't learned humility yet, and until he learns Absolutely. that, he can't really be a hero. You know, that's a great point because you know he's. He's he's left, and if you really think about it, and now I'm thinking about it as you're talking, you know he's kind of a bully treating Uranus that way. He, how how is this little pipsqueak an over? He could never be an overman. He just ignores him. So what you said, I think, makes perfect sense. That that shows you how he could be grow into a villain, right? Having yeah. that superiority complex over others. He treats the tag team. He says he would have put him out of their misery. So I can definitely see it. I, I like I like him a lot, and I like that I don't know. He doesn't have a future in my mind. I like that too. Some guys do. Some guys, the second you write them, you already know where they're ending. And sure. some guys you don't. And he's one of those guys I don't. I like I like it when they can surprise you, you know, when yeah. when, when you get characters that you kind of create and then they can surprise you down the road. Yeah. Um Mike, any 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 comments, uh questions, anything you want to add? No, I, I think it's a great set. I mean, I think Rob, you know, Rob does think about it a lot. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's cool because it's, well, it's also interesting from a behind the scenes standpoint that whereas Tom will really go through his creative process sort of on his own and then sort of at the end, bring everybody in. Whereas with Rob, it's very much an interactive, like, Hey, I just had this thought, like I'll get a text at some random time during the day or at night or whatever. And he'll be like, I've got this idea. And he'll hit me with up with like three different things. 
And then he'll hit me up the next morning. I don't like the one, but I like the other two. I think I'm going to do it. And, and then sometimes I'll be like, well, Rob, did you think about this? And he'll sort of take my feedback and then go in a totally different direction with it. Mm-hmm. And it's really awesome just to see how it all kind of comes together. It's, it's very, it, it's a very dynamic process. So, I mean, I think it's, it's cool when I see it all kind of be done and over and even like little stuff that we do with, there's literally tweaks to the booklet right up to the end. Um, like there was going to be this, uh, you know, uh, you know, man under the hood kind of, or you know, uh, uh, card that was going to be there and then it wasn't, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, but we're going to put him on the cover instead. And, and it's all well thought out. It's not like accidental, you know, there, there's a lot of little things. And I mean, and I'll throw in a couple things here. There, like the, you know, crust not fitting into the headshot, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's mo- mostly just Rob and it's just sort of like being there to listen and just sort of responding. And then he like takes it in and, and it sort of cooks a little longer and then it, it comes out awesome. Yeah. I think Rob and I had a discussion about the man in the hood and, you know, there's a couple of different ways, yeah. you know, who that could yeah. have been and whatnot. And we yeah, kind of discussed it. We didn't talk about that without giving you names yet. When I wrote that, this is a good story. So when I wrote that, it was one guy and I'm laying in bed one night at like three o'clock in the morning. I wake up <laughs> and it hits me. It, it can't be that guy. I won't say why, but it can't be that guy. So I'm panicking. And I, even with like my real job, like the mortgage business, my, my day is pretty much six 30 in the morning to nine 30 in the morning. I get more done in those three hours than I do the rest of the day. And the rest of the day, I just kind of pretty much just twiddle my thumbs and wrap up whatever I started between six 30, nine 30. And the same applies a lot with this stuff. I wake up, I think about it, I wake up and immediately I'll start shooting out texts at like 6.30 in the morning. Mike does it to me too. He'll text me at 6.30 in the morning, like check your email. So like I'm brushing my teeth, like talking to Mike. So he's this, this stuff. It's all is true. All true. Out. Yeah. So I forget what you're talking about, but that's, that's how, how it usually goes down. Just these spontaneous. Oh yeah. So I woke up, I, I texted Todd. I said, he'd help. Uh, this was going to be this. And, and I need something else. And, and he just happened to respond before, before Mike did. Cause again, it was six three in the morning and I was up early that day. I'm usually not up until much later. <laughs> <laughs> and it were, and it was, and it made all the sense in the world. And, uh, and it didn't change the story. It didn't change the payoff. It didn't change anything. And in fact, it made it all so much better. Uh, it's kind of, I think it, it influenced the future. What's to come. I think even more. So, yeah. Yeah. Everything I write, is and Mike can probably attest to this. Almost everything I write is what at least a year in advance, year and a half sometimes. Like the, yeah. the basis, the idea. Um, so that's where we're at with this. Um, and the stuff that you guys are reading in this book now is stuff that me and Mike have been working on for like the past year. And notes in my email, notes in my text, notes on my phone. I just compile it all into a word program. I just one by one start dissecting and writing different paragraphs. And that's how it's, it's the same thing every, every time. And when this uh, part three is written and then you guys take over FTR, I'll, I'll take all my Kronos notes, which I've actually already done and start writing that out. And, and it's fun. And uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of texts about that too, because that's going to be a big step. That's awesome. I, I love the the collaborative aspect of that. I know we talked about it a little bit before, and and I think last time, you know, I kind of compared it a little bit to like 
uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, process for when they, you know, would write a movie. But it it reminds me a lot of just theater in general, and and the fact that, you know, um, as an actor, you can you know you. you you can go out there, you can do your thing and then you're going to get notes and you're going to have to, you know, kind of play what you're given from your scene partner. And that, you know, there's all of these things that are kind of coming at you all the time and you might get a note and the director might mean one thing and you take it a different direction. And the director's just sort of like, Oh, that's not exactly what I meant, but I like your way better. And there's, you know, and, and, and that, that it's just this constant process of kind of like, you know, uh, of bouncing those ideas back and forth and, and, and that it's done in different ways and it's all synthesized in, you know, in, in a different way as well because you know you you just you've got your own filter and your own perception of, of, of what you're doing uh, while you're working with people that have their own perception their own filter and you just start feeding off of one another and I think that that kind of creativity uh, in my mind is 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 really it can't be beat you know I mean there are some there are some geniuses out there that I feel like they can sit down and they can craft a novel or you know they can craft a song or, or whatnot and, and just do it all on their own um, but I but I do feel like those people are, are far and few between and, and oftentimes you know that collaborative process is always going to achieve something greater than you know than if one person sat down and tried to do it all on their own well when did um when did the Sunny Rocket and the Johnny Rocket cards? Quarter prime cards come out. That was Q3 of 2020. Okay. So that's now we know reading prime suspects. That's when the story officially started. So we knew all this back then and, and it was already written, meaning we'd already talked about it way prior to that. So that was the beginning uh, of all this. It was, it was Johnny rocket being in FTR scouting blue chip, you know, for the arrival of sunny rocket. And that's, and, and people didn't know that's when the story started, but that's what now we know. And when this is all wrapped up, it'll be really fun to talk about the things that maybe people now are starting to notice, um, the spoilers and whatnot, because when it all pops, it'll all make sense. It all fits. It definitely it all, all fits. fits. Yeah, we're not like, right, like, oh, I don't know where I'm going with it. Like, it's all <laughs> figured out. Like, it's all planned out. There's no one's going to get, like, dropped off the Fed. No one's going to be forgotten about. Like, this has two... Yeah. Someone might get dropped off the side of a, you know, a, a, a platform <laughs> into the yeah, infinite space, but that's about it. Walk somewhere <laughs> with Vala in space somewhere and the nothingness. No, but I mean, it, yeah, to Rob's point, I mean, this the, we started talking about this, uh, I think this was probably January of last year, was one of the first kind of, because Sunny Rocket was, was on, right? I mean, I, I think that was... That, that was in the works that for a while character, yeah but as far as actually like the storyline like what where you and i know this is going it's right we talked about this last well, summer yeah it was yeah, last it was about about a year ago. that he killed that guy i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that was whatever party did he killed someone yes <laughs> i tried to keep you in the realm as long as i could but a hero right now so yeah, but, but no, I mean, I, I guess it, but it, it's definitely, you know, there's, while I say some of the details around things have changed, I, I think <laughs> it, it's the, the, the general story has been in, in place for a while. So, and it's, it's fun to see all these because it's, you get anxiety, you're like, because it sounds great when you're like on the phone with Mike talking about it, but I'm <laughs> like, wow, this is going to be like published and like people are going to read it other than Mike. Like, it, you know, you hope <laughs> it's good and you hope it makes sense and it's, you know, so it's there's always that like eleventh hour, like oh my god, like wow, like yeah, other people are gonna read this, judge it, 
you know, and at the end of the day, whatever, you know, I love it. And, and, and I guess that's what counts you write for yourself. You hope other people love it too. But if someone was like, this is the corniest thing I've ever seen, like I would get it. I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's corny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this detective, you know, punching people out. Like, it's cool. It's fun. But it's, I liked, I liked it. We were able to take something that's so um, not wrestling and, and make it wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, uh, I, I think that you, you look at wrestling and you can see that there have been incredible, you know, storylines over the past like 40 years that have been built out of that, that mold you know it's like this isn't something that's been done before this isn't something that most people would consider wrestling let's do something with it you know and certainly with the rise of television i think that that we saw a lot more of that and um, i think you could i think indie fed could totally pull this off if you if you had willing wrestlers who were like willing to like play these parts where like you had to disappear and stuff like that and i think you could totally work so i, I don't oh, think yeah. it's too far-fetched no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, Chikara, you, you know, played with mm-hmm. stuff like this before. So yeah, it, it could definitely, it could definitely work. And, 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 and I, I'm just looking forward to obviously to what's next. Um, and, and, and certainly, uh, to, to get the reveals, to get the, you know, the, the, the solving of the mystery, you know, or, or at least, you know, the, the, the breadcrumbs that lead us to that next trail. But, um, I have more to say. I want to save it for later because I do want to move on to something else. Uh, and, and that is like we mentioned, it's the road to Galacticon. Um, and you know, this was Todd's idea, uh, to do, uh, on the road to Galacticon. And so I'm kind of going to hand things over to him, but you know, we're, we're interested in Galacticon memories, um, from people that have been there. Uh, you know, so, uh, uh, Todd, take it, take it away, my friend. Yeah, so uh, all throughout June, a lot of our different podcasts are going to focus on uh, Galacticon and you know just you know, stuff in the past and and whatnot, uh, just to kind of get everybody ready for for this year's con. Uh, so uh, yeah, I wanted to, you know having Rob on here uh, this week. I wanted to you know uh, there, there's few people I know who just loved the Galacticon experience more than Rob. Uh, so Rob, just, I wanted to kind of get from you, you know, what are some of your, you know, favorite experiences, favorite things about, you know, going to Galacticon and, and seeing everybody? Oh, obviously so many. I, I, uh, back when they w- were in Jamestown, I went to all of them except for the first one. And then I missed a later one, but, uh, well, me personally, like I, I stayed in the Sheldon house several times that lots of great memories there. Um, I won the Galacticon tournament uh, the year, I think the year before I had my transplant. I had, I came to, I wasn't going to come to Galacticon, but I did. And I had my backpack on and my pick line and all that. And I won, I beat Jim Steele in the finals. Uh, he had Wolf, I had Monolith. Um, and it probably, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll always remember that. Um, probably my, my favorite memory is when I drove down, uh, to Jamestown in my Jeep and I had no top and no doors. And I was driving around Jamestown. I lost my game, popped out of the back of my Jeep. And everybody at Glad's kind of pulled their money together and, and bought me all my new games. Uh, and this was back, oh, gosh, I was only like 20 years old, something like that. Really? Do you remember that? I wasn't there for that. You weren't there for that? Mike no. wasn't there for that. Wow. That's, that's how long ago. There's, there's lots of people in the world who remember that. Oh, yeah. But basically, like, Tom, I want to say Tom... Because it was probably worth, uh, I want to say it was about $220 worth of game stuff that I had lost. Um, and Tom paid half, and then everybody else pulled their money together to buy me the rest of it. So I came, up, came home with all new game stuff. But I lost my notebooks. 
And then someone found it and returned it to Tom later on. That's how small, and Tom will tell you the story too. He remembers it. He still talks about it. But that's how nice and, and uh, friendly Jamestown was that someone just found this, this book bag and returned it to him. So that was, that's a great memory. Um, you know, gosh, just so many tournaments and so many friends. I mean, Todd, I mean, I, I remember the first time. Do you remember the first time you and I became friends at Glatticon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I do. Just yep. walking down the street, just hanging out, talking about it. So, I mean, friends, uh, friends like Kevin Butcher, friends like Matt Dickendesher, who I'm friends with to this day, I met at Galacticon. And when we were 15 years old, I'm 46 years old now. So, I mean, that's incredible. It's like like meeting someone at school. Um, so, and then, you know, obviously being on the message boards every day, talking to people like Chad, who I've known forever. So, it, having all these different friends, um, so many different memories. I will say that, you know, Gladcon has been the same since we moved out of Jamestown. You know, I, I do miss, I miss that, that aura. I guess that's the right word. Um, Sheldon house, even the college was nice. Um, you know, but nothing lasts forever, so. but I'm old school. I'm out of the demographic. <laughs> sure, I think you're probably in the demographic though. No, just kind of, know, but <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I probably still am in the full street games demographic, but. I haven't been to Gladcon in a few years since it's been moving around. I went to the Geek Fest. What was that called? Geek Fest? Uh, and you went to the one in Pittsburgh, I remember too. That, the, the one that. in Pittsburgh, but the one in Ohio was that was, I mean, I know we'll probably never do anything like that again, but that was so much fun. I mean, I had I had more fun at that Gladcon and and uh, you know being in that hotel and being able just to, to hop over to the restaurant, eat whenever you want, and and uh there were so many events and so many different, the, all the live wrestling and just, it was like being at like a Lollapalooza or something. There's always <laughs> something going on. So there's been a lot of great memories. Um, Greg Valentine, partying with Greg Valentine. Um, man, that was fun. I still consider him a friend. That was a geek fest. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, what, it definitely what was not a Galacticon, a regular Galacticon no. in Jamestown. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, back at the old school Galacticons is when we used to, Jimmy Face used to tear his poster up or whatever. We Greg Valentine redeemed himself, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just so so many. How many, what, what are we coming up on now? What's the Galacticon? Uh, we're at uh, 32, the 32nd Galacticon this year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I make it out there this year. It's a long drive. Um, Dick and Dexter usually drives anyway, so I don't know what's going on. But uh, well, next next year in Chicago, we expect yeah, you there for yeah, sure. I think that's cool, and I I like the idea of of of. Uh, I remember the one year where were we? Where we went to the? I guess that was Pennsylvania. We went to the IWC wrestling with. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was that was a good time. Anytime you can parlay it like that with a with a wrestling event and, and, and surround the whole weekend with a wrestling event, you know, that's cool because especially at our age, we're so friggin' busy all the time, you know, and, and to get out for a couple of days and go to a wrestling event, hang out with your buddies and play this game, you know, it, it's like a little mini vacation for guys like myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, definitely had a lot of good times. Uh you know, Sheldon House, I think, is definitely, you know, many, many times, you know both you know during the during the con time and the after hours i think that some of my favorite memories uh from you know being part of this uh crazy Absolutely. group there and uh yeah i always look forward to our uh our phil singer games family reunion each year so uh we'll look forward to what's coming up here in um 
<laughs> yeah, got a lot of cool things the next couple of weeks to kind of celebrate everything we've done in the past at Galacticon. But uh, you know, thanks for thanks for joining us here, Rob, and sharing some of that. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I always enjoy it. It's fun talking to you guys. It's it's, it's a lot easier to talk than to type on the message board too. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, you know, I I I should have I should have gone to Galacticon many many years ago. Uh, Not too but, late, Sam. Not too late. <laughs> um, but you know, I I I just one of the what I wanted to say for later and until we kind of started to wrap up here is I just cannot you know iterate enough how enjoyable these conversations that we get to have with you are rob i i I feel like i not only do i just enjoy the dialogue but i feel like i always learn something and uh you know your your passion for the game and you you know your your know-how and and the fact that you do put so much thought and effort into all of this you know shines through and and it's always a pleasure uh to to have you on and to talk about these things and and again it's just you know for, for me uh especially having the opportunity to to, to be able to kind of like, you know, pick up uh, where you're going to leave off with, with FTRs is a huge honor. And, and I, you know, hope Todd and I will, will do it justice. Uh, uh, Luckily, I I think, uh, I think I'll have a good partner to, to, to ride shotgun with, but uh, I always, I always love this and, and I'm just grateful for you being on the show and for continuing the, the conversation because it's been a hell of a lot of fun each and every time. Thanks, man. I, I love it. And it's, I was talking to Todd, uh, talking to Todd or my favorite one of you guys every day about this, but like stuff like, you know, this is one of my last true loves in life is this game. I don't play fantasy football anymore. When I do, I don't, I hate it. It's like a friggin' um, <laughs> I, I love this game. You know what I mean? Like, so like, this is my one of the last few loves in life, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun. It, it's been, it'll be fun when, it, when I'm done and I can just get back to being a fan, but I, I'll never get, bored talking about it with my friend yeah well yeah i i like i said i just can't thank you enough for for joining us and 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 talking so freely about everything and getting a look at your creative process i know sometimes people don't necessarily like to talk about it or some people can be you know awkward talking about it or you know etc but i mean you've been very articulate and just really i think provided uh, all the listeners with you know a window into kind of what goes into that and certainly anybody out there that's ever tried their hand at creating a card or you know worked on the game whether officially or unofficially uh it, it's it's an opportunity to, to to learn something so uh I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the Galacticon memories are are fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing more of those as we continue kind of this road to Galacticon. Uh, But in the meantime, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's time, it's time for us to get that, that go home cue and, and, and finish this up, get our shoulders to the mat, do the job, whatever you want to say, get the hell out of here. Uh, Mike, do have a couple of things here before we officially wrap up. Well, yeah, no, I, I that's why I said the go home cue. I didn't Q, say it. Okay, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't say it was going to just, oh, you know, right, I'm not right, going right, to finish right. things without pivoting to you one last time. Uh, I just thought I'd give Mike a chance to talk real quick before we get the hell out of here. Uh, uh, Mike, do you have anything else left for us? No, I mean, I don't want to step on Todd's, uh, uh, <laughs> Todd's thunder here. So I'll just say uh, good night to all our friends on the Baltic. <laughs> uh and then uh i want to uh, uh I, i'll give it over to you todd i'll finish up later what, what do you got well, for us? kind of going on that on that uh realm there with the baltic there you know i do say we do have a couple other new countries listening to us uh <laughs> since the last time we kind of went over the list there I, I, I don't know if we mentioned japan before but you know listenership big up in japan there uh must be kota Ibushi. like tom waits man big in japan yeah. uh, Kurosawa films 
And then uh, <laughs> we we finally we finally got we finally got to Germany. You know, I've been calling out the Germans, so they they finally uh, came through. And then uh, uh, France and the Netherlands as well. So you know, gl- glad to make our way across Europe at this point. So, yeah, um, but did want to kind of mention a couple of things, uh, you know, Gal- Galacticon wise. You know, tickets are available right now. Uh, you know, definitely a lot of people are signing up for. The virtual part of the convention, I think a lot of people very interested uh, on like the, the exclusive cards and kind of getting in on the auction and stuff like that. So I think a lot of, a lot of people are definitely uh, getting their tickets for that. If you're going in person, definitely get your ticket for that in advance as well. It really helps us with the numbers, knowing what, how much you know food and other things we need to order as part of this and kind of getting a sense as to how many people are going to be there. So definitely, uh, you know, get your ticket there or let me know if you're coming. So you know, we have a good, a good uh, view of, of what numbers to expect uh, for, for the con. Uh, Rob, I, I, I hope you'll be on at least for the virtual part of it. Yeah. I was about, I was actually going to say how much I enjoy the virtual um, being able to, like I said, you know, use my own bathroom, use my own refrigerator and stuff like that, you know, is, is a huge plus. So yeah, I'll pop in. I, I, I'm not saying I won't be there. Um, you know, if Dick and Dexter goes, some of the best memories are just driving out there. So right. I, you know, I won't. Yeah. It's a long drive, but that's a you know that's also opportunity for a lot of fun. So and, and, and you can see where they filmed the blob. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. You can see. Yeah, well told. <laughs> it, it, is, it is blob fest that weekend as well as well as uh, Galacticon. So. so wait are we talking about like the original steve mcqueen version or are we talking about yes. like oh, wow yes. all right it was it was actually filmed in in phoenixville where uh the con's going to be held and in downingtown pennsylvania which is right down the road from where i live so it's uh oh, how convenient it, <laughs> and, and and yet i and yet and yet go there i'm gonna go there I've never once been to Blobfest, so it's oh, yeah. go, go figure. All right. Well, well you got your opportunity now, although I think yeah. it's virtual this it's year. It's virtual this year. It yeah, is virtual yeah. so this year. It won't be, won't be, you know, taking over the streets of Phoenixville, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you can join us in person, definitely do so. Uh, we have a couple, a couple of first time uh, people joining yeah. us there too already, which is, which is always great meeting new, p- new people and, and bringing them to the fold. Uh, so that'll be great. Uh, I did want to mention, I said, you know, uh, as we hit into June, uh, you know, each week I'll mention a couple of different things that'll be up for auction in our charity auction. Uh, so I did want to mention, uh, you know, we're, we're actually getting some great donations from different people, uh, as well as, you know, some original stuff that we'll put up. Uh, so I will uh, give thanks to uh, Kevin Butcher, who uh, donated uh, some original art, including uh, an original uh, Bishop Hell art from uh, from Chuck Carter. It's not the one that was used for the card, but I believe it was like the last draft before that. But it is an original Chuck Carter uh, Bishop Hell. So thank you, Kevin, for donating that. That will be up in the auction as well. You know, since we just released the Gary Michael Capetta color card, the Gary Michael Capetta black and white art will be up for uh, up for auction. And it's actually a twofer uh, because on the same piece, the, on the piece, same piece of paper is also the Killer Kowalski heel art from the black and white set. So you're going to get Killer Kowalski and Gary Michael Capetta on that one. So those will be two of the items up for auction. We'll kind of announce a couple things each week leading up the, to Galacticon, but just want to announce those. 
Nice, nice, very, very cool. Uh, I mean, the auction is uh, not only for a good cause, but it's also super exciting for collectors to add something uh, unique uh, to to the collection, um, which has become more and more apparent to me lately. Just how much of a horrible collector I am. <laughs> uh, uh, ooh, but that's that's a story for another time. Um, you know, I want to I want to say, in addition to obviously that, that to, to reiterate the fact that we've got the review contest going on. So make sure you leave your review, uh, the opportunity to win those original seven legends cards or the uh, COTG live cards. Uh, also want to, um, throw a shout out uh, to Michael Barada. I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, Michael lives here in Chicago and he and I met through uh, Galacticon last year, which of course was virtual and got to talking about the fact that we were both from Chicago. We both have been involved in theater here and uh, over the course of the pandemic, we never got the chance to meet face to face. And I had the opportunity last night to play my first live gig in 15 months uh, at a, uh, at a bar that uh, is right around the corner for me that I love it's just it's a wonderful venue for live music and uh i was fortunate enough to to be requested by by a touring musician who was in town uh to open for him and so uh, i got to play and you know i kind of put some stuff on facebook and uh, i got down get off the stage and one of the first people to come over to me and and, and shake my hand uh as he took off his mask was, was michael which i thought was really cool of him to to show up to the gig and and, and kind of show his support and didn't get a chance to hang out with him you know a whole lot uh but uh it was it was really cool that he was there and uh I appreciate him showing up. So I definitely want to give, give a shout out to him for doing that. Um, Cause I know he also listens to the podcast and he's been, been supportive and just, you know, just a really cool guy in general and has a, uh, has a, just a great knowledge of wrestling history, you know, not only in the Chicago area, but just in general. So cool cat. And I appreciate him showing up to, to, to do that. Um, Todd, is there anything else? Well, next week uh, we're going to continue the Galacticon memories and we're going to bring in, the Undertaker of Galacticon, the man with the streak that could come to an end this year. It's very possible. And that is Mike Fortune, uh, Hitman for Hire, will be joining us as our promoter spotlight uh, next week. Man, so you're trying to tell me that the uh, border closing COVID could be his Brock Lesnar. (laughs) (laughs) Truth be told, I've been trying to pull some strings and I heard the United States government may unilaterally open the border regardless of what Canada says. So you never know. (laughs) You never know. Uh, Which in essence, basically I'm taking that to mean that Brock Lesnar beats COVID. So I don't know. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, I don't doubt it. I'm looking forward to that. That'd be, that's going to be super cool. Uh, I've only had a couple of chances to talk to Mike uh, uh, at some of the cons, but uh, both times that I had a chance to kind of have a bit of a chat with him, super cool dude. And obviously someone that's been like on my radar for years and years and years and years because it was game card and then just reading stuff on, you know, boards and guest books, et cetera and stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to being able to talk with him and do the promoter spotlight. Uh, and we've got a lot of other cool stuff on tap going forward. Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously work in some of the segments that we've done before, like our character spotlight and, and legend spotlight at some point, but right now we're focused on that road to Galacticon. Uh, we'll be covering all of the latest stuff coming your way. Uh, there will not be a teaser on Wednesday, which you will all know by the time you're listening to this, cause it's Thursday. Uh, but there will be uh, a little something for you on Friday. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled to the website uh, for that. And uh, in the meantime, keep the dice rolling. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Rob, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. It's always good to talk to you, man. Uh, and I, I think the promoter is really going to dig, dig the conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. All right.
Mike, you ready? I am ready. It is always a pleasure, but uh, I, I look forward to the next time. Todd, you ready? I'm ready. All right. One, two, three. We're out of here. Take care, everybody.